welcome to episode 22 of The Offline Gamer, and today is our UKGE special roundup show. Woo-hoo. I'm Ray. And I'm Matt. And we have a special guest who we have frequently mentioned and in his love of miniature games, um, Gareth. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the show, Gareth. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. You will now be immortalised on the internet. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jolly good. So for those who don't know, Gareth is a co-worker of ours. Um, I think, Gareth, just introduce yourself to everyone and uh, let everyone know what your gaming background is, first of all, just before we start getting into the, the meat of the show. Right, uh, yeah, I work with uh, Ray and Matt at the University of Birmingham. Um, I worked with them on the service desk and I have the pleasure of working with Ray now on Deside Support. Um, and uh, my gaming background, I am a avid computer gamer of many, many years and I got into board gaming probably a couple of years ago, probably three years ago. Um, and I've kind of progressed. I do have a fixation on miniature-based games as Ray keeps keeps poking me about. Um, I also have a, a bit of a love of role-playing games. Um, and it's all kind of evolved from there, really, but I'm trying to try more sort of simpler and more Euro-style games as well, although I am a bit, a bit obsessed with the American sort of style thing at the moment. So that's basically me. So you're a happy balance against me and Matt, who are not really RPGs and not really um, minis people. I guess. Yeah, I guess so, really. I also really like my deck builders as well, to be honest. I've got quite a few of those, as you've probably noticed as well. Um, so, I do, But yeah, I do. I am a sucker for miniature-based games and deck building games. Um, so all of us went to UKGE, which uh, we are not intending to mean UK general election. We mean the UK Games Expo, obviously. Far more interesting. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That, that was this weekend, the oh, uh, 2nd to the 4th of June at the NEC in the Hilton Metropole in Birmingham. So uh, we didn't have to travel very far. Uh, lots of other people, it seems, have come from, well, across the world as... Da, 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 da. It's now the third largest in the world for games, shows, slash cons, slash expos, or whatever you want to call them. So that was that was some good news to to hear at the end of uh, of Sunday. Yeah, did you notice say when because um, I had John Roberts and Tom Vassell on the stage, and when he said um, up to today it was Origins, and Tom Vassell just burst out laughing. Ah. Is he not a fan of Origins? I don't know. Um, he's, I think he says some good things about it. So, uh, But yeah, so we're third behind uh, Gen Con and Essen. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I say whether, we. Well, know. the UK Games Expert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the UK focus getting. Yes. And it's Birmingham-based, so even better. That's even true. better, yeah. Right right yeah. at the heart of the Midlands, which is always nice to see. Yes, I think it wouldn't be quite as fun if it was down in London. Because London is... It's not a nice place to have to go to go to expos and cons. Having been to formerly known as Eurogamer Expo down in London, um, it's just it's so much more difficult to do things afterwards and beforehand. Whereas... At the NEC, because they've got everything all in one place. You've got food, you've got entertainment, you've got a train station, you've got an airport. Um, and also you, direct links to the M5, which is fantastic as well. Yeah, so it's it's really easy to get to and you don't have to go wandering dirty streets 
looking for food. Whereas in, if you're at a con in London, you tend to end up having to suffer the tube and try and find food and blah, blah, blah. But this is, I'm very anti London, so yeah, I apologise for my bias. I do love the NEC as a venue, I have to say. Okay, the food prices are extortionate, but that's going to happen anywhere. But everything you want is, is on site. I think the expo is really. I mean, obviously they followed the um, the layout of last year very well, didn't they? I mean, I gather a couple of years ago I didn't go, but I gather it was all in in the Hilton. It was all in very very sort of tight enclosed spaces. Whereas oh, yeah. last was. year, was, my first time was last year, and they, it was obviously the first time they'd done the trade hall. And this time they seemed to have it down to a fine art in terms of getting people in. It was really speedy, and it was just a really nice. Yeah, I thought the venue was was great. It was done really well. Um, it looked it looked the business. And it was a really nice place to walk around. It wasn't too hot either. I noticed, which is really nice because last year it was pretty. It got a bit sweaty, particularly bring him by but this year wasn't so bad yeah we were we were talking um before we went in because we went in obviously for the the press preview when there's there's not that many people in the hall apart from you know exhibitors um and it was nice and cool and we were sort of joking i wonder how many hours it will take before it's all sweaty and gross and it 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 didn't really get to a sweaty gross point in the trade hall Mm -hmm. the only time i felt a bit like was hanging around outside the pavilion room in the hilton because you're right next to the swimming pool Mm. and it's 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 really enclosed there's no windows there's no airflow and it's all a bit just uh, it's a bit too (laughs) toasty yeah i can't i can't quite fathom the design of that swimming pool um it's well i mean it's not very big anyway but you know that that whole glass window thing and you've got all the people queuing up right next to where all these people are trying to relax and have a you know a a swim and and a chill out it just strikes me as an odd an odd place to make everyone queue. Yeah, I think if it were a normal hotel, fine. It wouldn't be that much of an issue. But because it's a hotel that specifically designs itself for conferences and business meetings and blah-de-blah, it is a bit peculiar that they have... There's at least three rooms that you could go in and out of that are overlooking the swimming pool. Which is a bit like I don't know why they don't just put some like oh like fake frosted glass stuff yeah. over it. I suppose we should also mention that um, we weren't the only event uh, occupying the Hilton over the weekend, were we? <laughs> no. no, there was a few other people weren't there, weren't there? Yes, we discovered who why there was such a high concentration of older ladies. Did you uh, figure out why it was, Gareth? I noticed there was a Comic Con right next door to it. Well, it was more of a collectathon next door, and also there was also um, it was Take That, wasn't it, over the weekend as well? Particularly as I was leaving on the Saturday, I saw an influx of uh, sort of thirty-plus ladies walking in, looking very excited. Ah, uh, yes, but over in the Hilton, mm-hmm. there was also some sort of function for the Lady Freemasons of the UK. Oh no, I completely missed that. Oh, how exciting! Yes. How exciting! Yes, if you went around, if you went around the Hilton at all at the weekend and wondered why there were quite a lot of grannies, it's because they're all Freemasons. No, I, actually, I, I didn't. I did notice that. I couldn't figure out why. I was thinking that maybe they were just like really kind of getting into board gaming for the old generation, but obviously that was that was clearly wrong. <laughs> that explains that, yeah. though. Yes, for a secret society, although they're not, you're not supposed to call them that. Yeah, John Robertson says, "Don't mention those words." Not in front of them. No. We're not in front of any Freemasons now, so it's fine. But but I did wonder, as as a society-type thing, 
why there were no younger people in the Freemasons. The ladies' version or the men's version. It seems a bit... Like, how are you supposed to guarantee your... You know, survival if they don't have young members? Yeah, the numbers are just going to start dwindling as everyone dies off. Yeah. Mm. Oh well. Oh well. On to happier things. That means that in the future there'll be less of them to interfere with the expo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Take up less valuable space. Yeah. Okay, I guess we better start at the beginning then. So, uh, yeah, as you said, Ray, we got in on the press preview on the Friday morning. Yes, which meant having to leave earlier than I would have done for an actual work day. Yeah, same here. I was at the house at... Well, because it's Friday morning, so you've still got the regular work traffic going on. So um, Saturday, Sunday weren't too bad, but Friday I left the house at like 7 o'clock to get to yours for just before 8. So we could get to the NEC for 8.45, which is when we all had to line up and get ready to enter the hall. Yep. So we're, yeah, we got to strict instructions to follow the path laid out to us and to not deviate under any circumstances for health and safety reasons because obviously people were still setting up. And uh, yeah, in that corner, I think it's the corner where the playtest area... No, it was where the main stage was, wasn't it? No, it was um, the, uh, whatchamacallum, Thirsty Meeple play area. Oh, yeah, that's right. But um, yeah, they put lots of tables there for the... Uh, dealers who wanted, or the sorry, the publishers who wanted to show off their wares uh, to the press, and uh, we spoke to a few people who'd we'd con- been in contact with beforehand via email just to say hello. Uh, we saw a few faces we'd never seen before. Uh, we bumped into Kevin from Inspiring Games, who we did an interview with uh, last year sometime. That's the guy who's doing um, Legends Untold, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I should know that because I've backed it. <laughs> I think I've dealt with him by email as well, actually. Um, was he a nice guy? He he is very friendly. He's very yeah, he's a very nice guy. Ah, fantastic! He came across really well when I spoke to him because I, I didn't back, I didn't actually back that when it first came out. I backed it later. Um, I sort of dropped him an email saying I really missed, I really really gutted I missed your play, the sort of the pledge manager and everything else. Things. And he um, he let me get in on it at the last minute anyway, which was really nice. Him, so that was good. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, I backed it via proxy because Pete backed it and I gave him the money. So I've backed, I've jumped on his pledge, basically. So. Cool. Uh, while we were talking to Kevin, um, there was another chap there who I um, sort of thought, I'm sure he seems familiar. And then when I heard his voice, I, I knew who it was. And uh, it's a guy called Darren, and an actual Darren, for those people who watch The Dark Room, because obviously, you know, John Robertson calls everyone Darren. But this was a real Darren, and it's the Darren from the Midlife Gamer podcast who I reached out to on Twitter a, a few days ago just to say, you know, if you want to come to... Because he lives lo- relatively local to, to me. So I said, if you want to pop into Warsaw for one of our board game nights, uh, you're more than welcome to. And I didn't realise he was going to be there as press. And uh, so uh, we bumped into him and uh, had a had a quick chat with him. And uh, Darren, if you're listening, it was great to meet you in, in person. Yeah, we also ended up queuing right next to the Two Can Play, that game... Pair. Oh, that's right, yes. Um, Michael. Um, the people we mentioned uh, on our podcast a while back, uh, we... I, they, did a, I, they did a Kickstarter, didn't they? Yeah, to, to raise money for their Season 2, and uh, which I backed. And uh, I say we promoted briefly on, on, on our podcast. So. Yep. We were. Uh, it was nice to meet a few other members of the press. Yep. Uh, what else did we see in the press preview? Uh, I'll just run through a few little things... Um, 
this is uh, this episode is only going to be like a part one of our UKGE roundup. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more in depth about some of the prototypes and things like that that we saw uh, in in a future episode um, in a, in a couple of weeks or so. But um, we ran into uh, that game that uh, I talked about, which was Scrumpy, the uh, the cider making deck building game. Yep. Which uh, ticks all the boxes as far as I'm concerned, because you yeah. know me. Deck building, so it's a, it's a card game. It's about food and drink, and I like cider. So there you go. That sounds like a win-win-win all round, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect to play while while you have some cider. In fact, I think it's probably encouraged actually to be honest, but based on the, on the name of it and the theme of it, is you know you probably had to sit there and have a drink with it. Otherwise, yeah. it's not doing it justice, really. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, what else did we see in the press preview? We uh, we had a look at Nimby. Which is yes. a, a game that was on Kickstarter, and I'm sure we've mentioned it before. The one where you play worker bees, and uh, the the guy behind it uh, gave us a quick, brief look at that, uh, which I liked so much. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, I went out and bought a copy. So yeah, that's one extra game in my collection. It comes with beeples. Beeples, yes. Beeples, how cool yeah. are they? And a, and a little queen bee mini. So. You'll have to paint yours up, Matt, so it looks nice and uh, shiny. I, yeah, I'm not great at painting, although I know people who are better. Um, some of the people who listen to this um, uh, who frequent Asgard uh, are very good minis painters, so I, I may see if I can get some assistance in that. So is it actually like an actual like, little plastic sort of mini sort of thing? Is that right? No, they're just proper, they're just meeples shaped like bees. Cool. But I can't the, paint to the, save my life. Yeah, but the Queen is a plastic mini. Oh, is she? Yes. I don't even remember that. I haven't opened the game yet, so... You see what I have to work with. <laughs> so it's got miniatures in it. I'm already excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's only got... It's got it's got one mini and, and little wooden beeples, so... I also really like meeples as well, but again, who doesn't like meeples? Meeples are great, so... Exactly. And, and funny-shaped meeples are always the best. Agreed, absolutely. As opposed to regular, you know, regular meeples. Um, we also saw Zombie Babies. Oh, Zombie Babies. How, how did I miss that? I didn't see that. I completely missed that one. That's sounds ace. They had a fairly small stand, like in the main trade hall, um, but we saw them in the, in the press preview where, obviously, y- you can see a lot more because everybody's got the same amount of space, um, so you don't get distracted by big, shiny banners and all that sort of thing. Sort of, th- blah, 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 sort of thing. Uh, I've just got the uh, the leaflet they were giving out here. Apologies for anyone who hears any kind of like paper shuffling in the background. That's just me going through the mass of pamphlets and things that were handed out to us over the weekend. Um, zombie Babies is a game of building your character's attributes, gaining items, and killing zombies. And it's coming July to Kickstarter. So we'll probably talk about it a bit more when uh, when the campaign is live. Yeah, uh, it was just a little card game, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, who else did we? Who else did we see? see? We saw Stackbots. Yep. Which is interesting because we've we've come across them a few times, uh, you know, on Kickstarter, and they've been at the expo. I think the last two years. Yeah, I think um, so. But I've never actually sat down and, and looked. But the guy there was um, was very generous, and he gave us a, a preview, sort of uh, what was it, a promo copy of the game. He said, so we can have a play with that and uh, and share our thoughts. So we'll we'll have to take a look at that. Apparently, there's a digital version as well. It says it's available on the iOS App Store. So uh, there was a guy from Geek and Son there, 
the furniture makers uh, showing off their new uh, coffee table with a TV insert inside it. Oh, quite interesting. Uh, did you see? Did you yeah. see? It? Yeah, I was, um, I was kind of standing there geeking out with the whole thing for a good five ten minutes, and uh, my friend actually took away some DLs because he's he's about to move house and he's seriously considering getting one um, of those lovely items. Not the one with the coffee table because he said basically he wants the ball gaming table, the proper one. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, I thought, I stood there going, "Yeah, is, is your wife going to let you have that?" He said, "Yeah, absolutely." Yeah. Um, I came home and mentioned it to my wife, and uh, at the moment we're still talking about it. <laughs> have you uh, have you mentioned the prices to her? Um, she kind of saw the leaflets, and, um, <laughs> and uh, the conversation ended shortly after that. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> I've got the leaflet in front of me. So for those interested, the Henry gaming table for four to six people from three thousand pound, including VAT, and a six to eight person table from three thousand four hundred pound. Yeah, the yeah. coffee table with the TV inside it—that's the Adam table. Uh, that's from two thousand one hundred pound. TV, obviously, you have to buy yourself. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, that's the other gaming table, from two thousand six hundred pound from four to six people, and then there's the Oscar table. I don't know. I don't quite know what that one is, but that looks like a. It's sort of more of their budget range because that one's only fourteen hundred pound for a six to eight person table. I think that's still got the gaming service inside, but it doesn't have. Most of the fancy stuff, like you know, being able to put um, cup holders and things around the around the edge by the looks of it. All right. Okay. It probably doesn't have doesn't probably doesn't have the strip lighting either. Oh yes. Or there was the one that had lights. like really funky the, the, the blue lighting. Is that what you mean? The one that had a really funky blue lighting around it. My friend was quite adamant saying, "Oh yeah, I don't want that." Um, I thought yeah. it looked cool, but yeah. Uh, we also saw Mayfair Games, um, yeah. who uh, I wanted to have a look at to see. Baron Park or Baron Park, whatever, where you are making a zoo and you have to make the nicest zoo. That's about the. It's like a, a puzzle piece placement game. So, like, you get funny shaped pieces and you have to place them, and then depending on where you place that piece on your baseboard depends on what the next piece you get to pick is and stuff like that. Yeah, they're like sort um, of Tetris shaped things and you've got to like fit them together. Yeah, they. I think they said it's kind of like Cottage Garden, but having never played Cottage Garden, eh, I don't know. So if you've played Cottage Garden, then sure. Like it's like Cottage Garden slash patch, patchwork, she said. Um, so, but you're making a zoo. So who else did we see, Matthew? Uh, next up, according to the leaflet I got in front of me, was Color Chess, which was by the Dog-Eared Games Company. And this was like chess, but the board has got coloured squares on. Uh, so it adds a second layer on top of normal chess. So you can only move to certain colours. Didn't we or, also see a three-person chess yes. board while we were wandering around? There was there was three-way chess as well. Yeah, three-way chess. That's a bit like that thing that they play in the in the, um, in the Big Bang Theory. They have like sort of is it four-dimensional chess or whatever it is. Yeah, there's only one real type of chess, and that's 3D chess from Star Trek. That's, that's the one. That's the yeah. one. Uh, next up, uh, we came across Smiling Monster, and they demoed a game uh, which you you were quite taken with, Ray, which was Carbo. Yes, mainly because I like the artwork. Was it because of the unicorns? No, it was just because it was sort of rather... It was colourful and fun. I didn't actually notice the unicorns until you mentioned them, to be fair. Okay. Um, but you you have four cards in front of you, face down, and at the beginning of 
the game, you can peek at two of your cards, but not all of them. And the aim of the game is to, by the end of... Once the draw deck is all gone, um, the aim of the game is to have the lowest score. Um, but obviously you don't always know what score you have because all your cards are face down. So you can peek at your own cards, you can spy on other people's cards, you can swap cards, uh, you can draw off the draw deck and, and swap them blind. Um, so it's a little bit of memory trying to remember what you've got and what you what you may have swapped to somebody else and so on and so forth. But it, it had nice and cute little art. I think uh, as far as press preview goes, that was probably everything we saw in that. Um, Pretty much. We then got uh, shuffled into the press area, uh, which is in the op- opposite corner of the, the hall. Um, we, we did have the option of going back outside and joining the queue, didn't we? Yeah. But I think we just wanted to sit down for five minutes. <laughs> i got to be honest with you, having stood in the queue, you did the right thing. It was pretty crammed up there, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think uh, I think the option was you could go back should, you know, you want to be filming the grand entrance. But if you're filming it, a bunch of people walking through a door is a bunch of people walking through a door. Yeah. Could have done it any day. They 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 announced the grand. They announced because uh, what because we were in the hall, um, and they said the UK Games Expo 2017 is now open, and it was four minutes early. So and it's like, uh, is that the grand opening? Okay, <laughs> go 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 go, charge. It's always the way of these things, isn't it? Like whenever sort of people are of a certain certain sort of thing, yeah. Any disposition is sort of queuing for any period of time with a great expectation, and the second the doors open, everyone kind of stood there like in this sort of mute silence for a couple of seconds. As you sort of shuffle forward, going, I don't want to talk to anybody, I just want to get in there, don't look at me, don't talk to me, and I'll bother just save the theatrics. I just want to look at the games, get out of my way, get out of my way. Yeah, see, normally, like for example, if, when going into any big show, if you're there right at the start and you're right, right when the doors have just opened. It's it's impossible to know what to do first because if it's the first time you've been in there, you just sort of go, uh, 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 there's so much stuff, brain cannot compute. And then everybody just sort of filters a little way in and then everything that's right near the door just gets crammed instantly because people go, oh, pretty things. And because it's the first pretty thing they've seen, they, they immediately go and do that. So, I don't know. How how what was your strategy, Gareth? Was it go immediately to the opposite side of the room and work backwards, or were you just sort of because we ran into you in the first hour and then we didn't see you again the whole time? My strategy was kind of um, I had stuff that I wanted to look at because so but, but this year I I, um, I went for the first time last year, so I had, I had a better idea what I was doing in terms of I think in terms of. I knew what I was looking at, whereas I went with uh, two other guys this year who'd never been before. Um, my friends Liam and Dave, who are probably going to listen to this, so hello guys. And um, so we kind of, we sort of just basically started at the start and we kind of progressed our way down, just stopping periodically and looking at stuff and just trying to soak it all up, really. Um, so pretty much our strategy was basically just kind of just look at everything um, <laughs> as much as we possibly could in one day. Um, and sort of go my up and down. I mean, we did sort of diversify off a little bit and we, we end up sort of just getting separated and getting dragged in all directions 
interactions because we'd see something that we'd like and one person would walk off but um generally we just kind of just try to stay together and discuss and talk and so it's quite cool i mean um, i think that, that seemed to be i think methodically was kind of the best way to do it because it was the only way if you're gonna walk around with two or three people that you know that there was so much to look at i think for us that was the only way to make it work yeah see see our strategy was sort of um we were going to go up and down a a through k or whatever it was but because we'd booked in to to speak to people we'd get like halfway down a and then be like oh okay now we've got to go to f because we've got this guy to talk to and you go back and you pick up and you go back down a little more and you start on b and then you've got to go over to h because you got this interview and then it's lunchtime and then it's then we've got to go see the live shows then we can come back and uh, I think I was I only managed to walk down K at about half eleven in Sunday morning yeah it oh, took wow. us that that long because I think we I think we over booked ourselves I think we well I, I think it was just I think next year we'll have to um, just be a bit more free for all a bit more loose yeah, I think because last year was the first year we went as press, so it was a little bit sort of, we don't know what we're doing, let's just go and say hi to people and see what happens. And then this year, I think we've gone too far the other way. I must say, like, looking at looking at your um, at your itinerary, though, I was really impressed by it because it was really well organised and you even sort of felt a lot of spaces for lunch and stuff, which I was really impressed by. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I think you guys were massively organised. I was like looking at myself going, wow, I haven't done anything like that. I'm just going to just wander around and uh, try and soak it up. I mean, like... Well, you say that, but I mean, uh, on okay, we had the scheduled stuff that we went to do, but then we also made another itinerary of just stuff we wanted to have a look at. And even you know after the three days there were still a couple of things on that list that we didn't get a chance to look at wow yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't believe that i mean like i think for the first day for us so we just kind of wandered the second day we were a bit more focused and we wanted to look for particular things things that we kind of had a brief look at the day before um and we sort of went to, we went back in with like a, a bit more intensity in terms of right we're going to look at that we're going to do this we're going to do this and we're going to get this done and um i think we all agreed for my friends we said like next year we do it slightly differently we would try and spend a lot more time just playing games to be honest with you because um we sort of wandered around and just jumped on stuff as we saw it but we didn't really pick out things and didn't really target it very very as such we just sort of went oh yeah we give this a go give that a go it was quite good but i think it was um i think like anything you look back and go what could i've done differently there's too much stuff to look at and I, how, I, yeah i think you can always have that sort of almost like a buyer's remorse we look at it and go oh i should have done this differently but next year we, we probably will i think next year we'll, we will actually try and do some some more sitting down and just playing because there's so much to try yeah, and so many games that are in the library there that we, sh- we just didn't get a chance to look at yeah i think that's the one thing that that we both said at the end of the day well at the end of the weekend didn't really play many games i mean we got we got demos of games but despite this being our third year we've still never actually gone and sat down in like one of the free-to-play areas and just played games i will say that they, 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 were, they, were, they were good actually. I, mean, I don't know if you want to get back to those later on potentially. I mean, I did sit in some of the free play areas and they were, they were really, I thought they were pretty well run um, in terms of how they were set up. It was quite nice to sort of rock up and go, what's available? Oh, we're going to play that. Great. Yeah. See, so I think, um, I don't think we've ever gone to one of the free play areas Nothing in the we've whole had time. three years. Because no. um, obviously the first year we only went for a day and you, you can't do the whole thing in a day. No. All. 
No, I was, I was saying last year, and I found that we did play one game of Zombicide last year when we sat there, which is a game I've already played several times with my friend, and my friend actually owned the Black Plague version of the game, and it was kind of a, yeah, well, we're here, let's play a quick game of while we're here. Um, we tried to have a game of Blood Rage last year as well, and that didn't go particularly well, because uh, the guy that was trying to teach us it didn't really know the rules, so it just it took ages, and as time went on, we started thinking, you know, we're running out of time, our day's getting away from us, and we've got so much to look at, and if it's going to be like a 40, 40 minute quick blast, great, but it's, it's getting up for an hour, and we haven't even got past the first round yet. Um, that was last year, though, not this year. Yeah, I think my my thoughts on the whole open play area is, at the end of the day, I know I know a fair number of people now that if there was a game I wanted to play that I didn't have, I there would probably be someone in my circle of friends who'd have that game, and I'd be able to play it with them. So at the expo, really, what I wanted to get, what I would want to get out of it is being able to see new things and try new things rather than stuff that's been out for a while that people have already would already have. Mm. Yeah, I mean, same same thing applies. I mean, we didn't really get to play many new games either i mean we had to sort of get like the whistle stop version of of most things because we had to keep moving yeah like i mean i think the one we we did manage to sit down and and play properly like until somebody actually won the game was ether wars um everything else we sort of had to go oh sorry gotta go but um yeah so next year i'd like to have more time to sort of chill and play games and have have fun as opposed to seeing it as something where you've got to do work yeah. even though like we're there as press so you've got to do some work but more fun more fun please but that's 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 just our our experience i mean everybody else we saw everybody was having loads of fun yeah i must guess i had a huge amount of fun to be honest to everybody just <laughs> So uh, on that note, we've talked about what we saw on the Friday morning in the press preview. Um, when you got in, Gareth, what did you uh, what did you get up to? What, what did you see that uh, perked your interest? I think yeah, well, it, well, it wasn't a game I saw first thing that really interested me. Actually, it was we were walking around the um, the play area first, as just sort of getting our bearings. And um, first thing my friends put it was that we saw Quinns and Lee from Shut Up and Sit Down just sat playing a game. And we were going to ask him, "That's not him, is it?" "Yeah, no, it is. It is." It's like, "Oh my god!" I didn't go over and say hello though because they looked quite deep. I think they were playing uh, Spice Road. I think it looked like anyway. So, but that was quite cool. Um, it was a bit like, "Oh wow, look, there's somebody who I, I actually recognise who does who does really really cool stuff." Um, I think in terms of games, though, um, it was quite nice. As, as we were walking around the first aisle, we bumped into um, a group of guys who have created a game called Wizards Academy. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, we are aware of that because um, the creator of Wizards Academy used to go Greg. to our university. Ah, that's interesting because my friend down here in Worcester, I find I, I don't know, I never brought this up actually. My friend, he's he he's from Worcester, but he lives in London now, and he actually did some of the design work for that because the company that made it was based in Worcester. Um, which is quite interesting. So um, as we walked up to them, we sort of got, sort of dropped his name, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Az, yeah, we know him. Yeah, he's a really lovely guy, and that's quite cool." So um, it's my friend actually backed out on Kickstarter when he, when he just because our friend created helped to make it, and uh, it's actually actually a good look because he hasn't even opened it since he got it. It's just been sat on his shelf, uh, and now it's kind of made us actually go. Actually, yeah, we should go give that a go. It looks like quite an interesting game. The minis are really nice, um, and because it's quite a bit homegrown, bit worth talent, we want to sort of give it a bit of support really so um, that was that was nice that was quite cool 
Um, I really, really quite looked. I don't know if you spotted there was the um, the Batman minis game that was there. It was at the yes. back of the hall. We walked past it a couple of times. Yeah, it was. It was always busy though. Yeah, I was desperate to try and get a go on it, and I, I waited for a little while to try and, and sort of hovered around, hoping somebody would leave, and it was pretty fruitless, really, but because it was always busy. Um, I'm, incri- I'm excited by that for a number of reasons, but one because hey, it's Batman. I'm I'm a mad thing about all things Batman, um, but also because the guys who made it, the guys who made the Conan sort of miniature-based game last year, which which got really well reviewed, um, and the the systems from that are basically very similar to the systems they're going to use. And it's quite a dynamic system. It's quite um, the, the combat's quite. It allows you to do sort of all kinds of crazy things when you're fighting, which makes the game flow really well. So you can kind of exert and extend the characters and you can sort of make them do extra actions at the cost of things. It all sounds very... But it makes the combat flow properly as if it was a proper fight. Um, I think that will translate really well to a Batman-style game. And um, considering it's only in like really early days um, in terms of the license and stuff and all the stuff there was very early concept stuff, I thought it looked really interesting. Um, yeah, so that was a, that, that, that was me getting my, my, my geek on for that one. Um Interestingly, chatting to the guys who were making it, my friend was talking to them, and they were saying that they, um, it's been it's been challenging because of all the licensing, etc. But it is coming together really well, so I'm quite excited for that one. So that was one. Um, I got to sit and play a game called City of Kings, which I, I, I know you guys follow Ooh. me. Yeah, that was yeah, that was on Ray's hit list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and every time because you know they, they had a, they had like a giant size, well, mm. they had an oversized version um, on like a six by six foot table. And every time they were doing a live demo on that massive table, we had something else booked in. I was like, damn it. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to back it, but it was in the middle of like trying to buy a house. And it's sort of like, well, I can't really, you know, justify that. Because it was quite a lot, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it was. It seemed like really good value for what it's going to be, but I still couldn't justify it. And I was just like, oh, I really wanted to have a look at that. And they were busy every time. And the, every time they were doing the big one, we were doing something else. And I was like, damn. Yeah, but yeah, it was quite, we, we stumbled into it by accident. We were sort of walking down the aisle and sort of rounded the corner and there it was. And um, there was a spare space for three of us on the table. And I um, realised the guy that I was looking at was the guy who created it. I've, I've seen YouTube videos of him showing it to me. I mean, I backed it on Kickstarter, but that was only because I had a bit of extra money a month and I was able to sort of go, well, I can afford to get that one. Um, so it was nice chatting to um, Frank West. He's a, re- he's a really nice guy. Um, he was really very enthusiastic about it. And it was, yeah, because there was a spare space, we managed to sit down and have a go at it. And um, what, was, what was quite interesting to me is because I always get, it's a game also I've backed and quite excited to sit now and probably play it. But I was playing it with two of my friends. So I'm probably going to end up playing with it, with it again at some point in the future if they liked it. Um, so I was quite happy because they sat there. They, they, we played it for a little while. Um, we really enjoyed it my friends thought it was really cool they could see the strategy was good um, the way the game is made is really nice the artwork was nice um, but we all felt that it was something we could definitely get more out of I mean there's lots of nice mechanics in that game which I think are um, very attractive like the randomization of the bosses I think is really nice um, so like every fight can be slightly different depending on what you put out of the bag which is pretty cool um, I quite like the resource gathering that's quite nice and the whole game reminded me a bit of. it's been said before in lots of stuff I've read about it and it's quite accurate it's quite like World of Warcraft in terms of how it plays uh, and that's really that's really cool I just think it's a really nice but sort of it can be as deep as you want it to be it can be quite heavy strategy or you can just play it for like an hour or two on your own just have a go at it which is quite nice so I was really excited to sit and play that one I, mean, I thought it was awesome so, um, so that, I think that's probably that. I think City Kings was, real, was pretty much my highlight of the Friday actually because it was so a the fact it was there. I didn't realize it was going to be there. 
and B because I got to have a go at it and it was quite easy to just pop and have a go for an hour and play it and learn how it actually works which is cool and um, the lady who was showing it with this really what she was talking about and she was very friendly and very helpful it was just nice I said it's always nice to meet the creator and particularly when they're really proud of their products and they, you know the guy um, the creator Frank West has made a really good system and I think it'll be I think, yeah it deserves to do well to be honest with you I think uh, I'm trying to think what else I did on the Friday um, we bumped into the creator of a game called The Networks I don't know if you saw that one. Oh I've yes Gil yeah, ah, yeah. That, that that my friend picked a copy of that up um, and we thought that was really really I just love the idea of it some of the some of the programs and the shows he created for that um, it's just brilliant obviously the idea is that you to create basically create your your TV network higher stars and keep it running but um, some of the programs he, uh, when we chatted to the creator he said that uh, he got his friends to write down the worst possible TV shows they can think of and he's yeah. put them he's put them all in the game which I thought was quite good um, I'm trying to think, what, think it was, was it a bikini bikini crackheads or something was or something yeah. stupid like that bikini war- there's like a bikini warrior princess type thing as well which is like a rip off of Xeno or something that's the one. It just, it just looks really funny. Um, my friend bought it. I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Um, I think I think it'll get brought to the table pretty quickly because it looks like it's quite st- not straightforward. You know, it's, it's not as rules heavy as some of the games I've got in my collection, like Dark Souls and stuff. We, we can probably pick it up and play it quite happily for an evening. Um, so I think it'll, I'll be putting some pressure on to bring it around to my house at some point, or I'll go to him and we'll sit and have a game of it. That sounds quite cool. So that yeah, one's it's good fun. I think that'll be quite up your street. I think you'll really enjoy that. I've I've, I've brought it to the, the table with two different gaming groups now, and both of them. Uh, have said they've really enjoyed it. So mm, cool, fantastic! I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I think that was that, that was most of my Friday highlights. I spent a lot of time on Friday, basically buying stuff myself and uh, sort of nabbing bargains from the various shops around. Obviously, there's quite a few shops in the expo. So cool. Yeah. Um, well, we saw Dungeon Land from Mage Co. We Mage did. Company, um, which is their next game in the sort of Twelve Realms universe. Um, it was a very the, early prototype. Yes, it is a very early prototype, so we'll probably talk about it a bit more um, in our prototypes uh, show. But that that was quite good. That was a. Um, it looked like it's going to be really good because um, obviously their artwork is. A, it, you, you have like the the fantasy and, and fairy tale and folklore characters that you play, same as in twelve twelve rooms other games and. Um, the artworks are sort of the similar sort of thing, so it's it, it's got all the levels of strategy and, and complexity that will make you need to think as an adult, but all the nice artwork that will appeal to younger audiences as well. Um, and continuing the dungeon theme, we also saw Shadowscape, which is um, from the Mistfall universe, which is a card-based dungeon crawler. Um, which looks pretty cool, and I think me and Matt both want to have a go at that. We do. We also got to speak to the designer, Blagé, uh, for a little bit. Asked him what his favourite bits about the game were. Um, he really... Uh, admittedly, it's his, it's his little baby, so obviously he's going he's gonna to say quite a few things for yeah. his favourite. Um, the one thing that did seem quite interesting is that for your actions, you have you have like four action cards that are in front of you, and once you've used an action, you have to flip the card over, and then there's a completely different action. And you can't flip it back until the end of the round, or something like that, I can't remember. The end of a room, or I, I don't know. Um, but that seemed quite an interesting mechanic, and all of the artwork was really, really nice. There are a lot of cards involved. It's a very, very small box, considering how much there is, 
but the box is very heavy because of it. I'm not actually heard of that one. Just something a quick look at it online. I must admit, it does look it does look really quite dinky, doesn't it, in terms of how it's put together? But it looks it looks like a really like the artwork is lovely. Yeah, see that that was the thing that I found with a couple of things like not necessarily the most well known games, or not necessarily games that are in huge massive boxes, but they have really nice art. Mm. Um, so the Gloom of Killforth also had amazing art. Um, which was on Kickstarter like two years ago, I think, um, and he was it was being sold at the expo, um, but it was I think it was fifty quid, but it had absolutely amazing art, and he was very proud to say that there's like three hundred and thirty odd different cards, and every single one of them has different artwork on it. I'm like, wow, that that artist is pretty good. Yeah. So we also saw the guys from Dized on Friday. Um, we did. D- Dized being... We saw these guys last year as well. I think we spoke to Yoni last year as well and got free finished chocolate last year. I have to mention the finished chocolate again because it was very nice. That's a good point. I didn't grab one this year, actually. Uh, I managed to save it until I got home on Sunday. And then I got home and I was just like, oh my God, I need chocolate. And that was the only chocolate in the house. So I was like, give me the finished chocolate now. Yeah, but then after you'd had it, you were probably like, oh, that was lovely. I want more finished chocolate. Yes, but then I was also like, ow, my back hurts, so I'm going to have a nap. <laughs> in fact, in, in, in you could say in two ways that literally was finished chocolate because not only was it finished chocolate, but it was also the last one you had. So you had literally finished the chocolate. Yes, it was the first and last finished chocolate you, you of, ha- of the weekend. You, you had to get a pun in there somewhere, didn't oh, you? Yeah, oh, every episode, every episode. I mean, you don't even need to make your own puns up. We have we have games to talk about that have puns for That's names. true, that's true. Um, but <laughs> yes, Dized being the app that they are hoping to bring to the world um, to help you get going with a game so if you've never played a game before it's a bit boring sitting there reading the rules for about an hour or sometimes even if you've got someone there who can explain the rules it, it's obviously going to be a bit boring for them and it can still take ages so they're trying to make this app um they've only got i think two games on it so far the idea is that they'll load more games and do more little animations and designs and so on and so forth um that will talk you through the game as you start playing it. So you just you get the game out and you start playing and you, you press go on the app and it will go, right, it's your first turn. You need to do this, this and this. Um, and those guys are really nice. We spoke to them last year. We spoke to Yoni again. And there is a nice interview video with him and Matthew on our YouTube channel. Yep. Should you want to, a bit more info about Dyzed? That's a really good idea, actually. I, I mean, I've not heard of these guys before. That's, but I'm, I'm really impressed because having, yeah, obviously, like you guys, I've spent many evenings sat in front of a rule book and the board game in front of you, going, "That does what?" and which, which what? Um, yeah. I think that's a really good idea. Particularly gets it to the table faster because it, it, obviously one person generally learns it and teaches it to everybody else. Um, so yeah, no, I support that. That's a great idea. Well, it's, that's the way you only describe the app. He says the app is like the friend who's sitting around the table with you, explaining how to play the game as you go. It's a good idea. Not like it. Yeah, it's cool. I should be looking. I should be. That's one for my list to keep an eye on. Cool. So after that, we went. Well, we started wandering up and down the A aisle, and we ran into a familiar face. 
Well, he was he wasn't a familiar face; he was a familiar voice because he was well, someone he was, we've had on the podcast before. I recognise his face from um, their Facebook page and, and their social media presence. Ah, okay, but it's Toby from Mushroom Gaming Co. Who avid listeners may remember we interviewed last year um, for his campaign with Fishy Tactics. And this year he's just launched another Kickstarter uh, for Scuttler's Island, which is another game that he's bringing out with a fabric board, uh, which I mentioned last episode, I think. Um, and we had a little chat with Toby. Yeah, I, I like the look of Scuttler's Island, actually. it's um, So it's a tile-laying game where the, the, there's, there's a giant island on the cloth and with lots of squares, and everyone's got tiles um and you, the aim of the game is to basically form a path from where you start to the big pile of treasure in the middle of the board. But not only can you, obviously, some of the tiles just have paths that you just help you go from A to B, but some of them have things on there that you can sabotage the other players' paths with, but then they can play other things on top of them to cancel what you've, what you've played out. And then the first person to make a path to the centre is the winner. Pretty simple, but it uh, looks fun. It's basically a sort of pirate-esque theme, insofar that the fabric board looks like a, a treasure map. There's a big pile of treasure in the middle, and you are essentially pirates trying to get to the treasure first for the booty. I'm not it's... doing my I'm not doing my pirate accent again. Yar, yar. Uh, not after last time. <laughs> Look at that now. Actually, it looks really good. I like the fact that it's kind of like a bit like, um, like I said, it's one of those ones where you basically can just completely sabotage your mates by blocking all their routes and going, "Yeah, yeah. treasure's mine." Yeah, I'm your hearties. Yeah, that's my awful so, pirate. Yeah. <laughs> better mine. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a quick chat with Toby, who I think recognised us. Well, yes. he recognised the shirts and then probably put two and two together. Yeah, and then we ran into another. Then we ran into another familiar face. Yes, we ran into Cooley from Alicat Games. Uh, and uh, yeah, they were there with their new game, which was Dice Hospital, which yep. is launching on Kickstarter soon. So interestingly, we saw them last year and they were about to go onto Kickstarter with their first game. And now this is their third game, because in between in between uh, Lab Wars and Dice Hospital, there was Cauldron Master. It's Cauldron Master, isn't it? That's right. Um, so it's, it's and these these Cooley and Cesar also went to Birmingham University, so we had a, a nice chat with them last year about that. And we walked around the corner, and Cooley goes, "You're the ones who use, you're the ones who work at University of Birmingham." And it's like, "Yes, that's us. Saw you last year." And it's it's sort of nice that people remember you, even though you've only seen them once, and it was a year ago. And it's it's it, I thought it was it was quite nice. Yeah. Um, and then someone else who remembered us around the corner. Yep. It's was Francis. Francis from formerly hip hops, now intoxicatingly. Yes. Uh, and uh, he showed us his new game. Uh, so they've changed the name because, as he said, um, people kept typing in hip hop into Google, so they couldn't find any of his websites or social media accounts. Because obviously, if you type in hip hop, you're just going to get tons of music, I guess, aren't you? Yeah, um, yeah. People kept forgetting the S on the end of hip hops. Um, so he's, and also because he's now with a second game, you can't really 
name yourself, have an eponymous company uh, the same as your game, if you've got two games. Mm. So the, the, the next game, which I think is sort of still playtest, he's selling it, but it, and it looks completely f- f- done and finished, but he's still sort of saying, we're still developing it. If people send us feedback, then we will send you a, an updated version of the game when we've fixed anything that you spotted that was wrong or suggestions that you might have. Okay. D- d- does, it, d- hang on. The name is Punny. Can I do it, please? Yes, please, you can punny. do the can name. I do it? So, so it's a game about, about alcohol. Okay, Gareth? And it's called, right? You ready mm-hmm. for this? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. First Impressions. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You ma- you're making a game out of sort of tasting of of alcoholic beverage. Yeah, this doesn't sound like my sort of thing at all. I mean, I'm really going to hate this game, clearly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but he's uh, he's looking at branching out because people have asked have asked, been asking for all sorts of uh, different versions. Uh, so he he said, obviously, the, the normal version is a beer one because that's what hip hops was. But um, he he's been asked to do like spirits and things like that, and also like energy drinks and and things like that, and also and coffee and coffee and things, yeah, and cider, which is obviously going to be my personal favourite version of that game. I'm starting to see why it's called hip hops now, because obviously the hops beer. Ah, yeah, yeah. right, got yeah, got you. That's that's cool. Yeah. So uh, next up, we were wandering around and we came across uh, this giant uh, wall on the back of a stand that said, "What's your game face?" And it was yes. like a, a massive flowchart with a bunch of questions on uh, about games. And then based on your answer to the questions, you got uh, one of six, six different uh, different results. So I apparently am a goody two-shoes. Yes, I was almost a goody two-shoes, but then apparently I'm a sore loser. Uh, I don't think I am a sore loser. I try to think which one I was. I think I was the, um, how would you call it? The one on the far left was it the smug winner, the gloating winner. The gloating. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that was, I think that's what I. Thought Did I you not take the bat, uh, the sticker, and put it on your uh, your um, lanyard? I must admit, I completely forgot. Well, I don't think I'm necessarily a sore loser. Only, only if I'm playing against Chris, who is definitely a gloating winner. Is he still? Is he still there? Is he hearing you say these things about him? No, he's he's wandered off somewhere. I'm not entirely sure where he's gone. Okay. But he knows he's a sore winner and a sore loser. He's just, he's too competitive. Well, the next game we saw was not a competitive game. It was a cooperative game. Yes. And well. It, well, it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. And that was Codenames Duet. And we Which got is a, the newest uh, version of Codenames. Yeah, from CGE. Uh, we got a little demo of this. Um, I... I really struggled with this because the letters which are out on the table were uh, the letters, the words which are out on the table were pretty horrible as far as I was concerned. Yeah. But essentially, it's normal code names, but there are uh, you play with two players, and each of you has your own like code card, um, and there are some shared um, words between the two of you, but there are also uh, three assassins instead of just the one. Yep. Which makes it a bit more difficult. But one of the assassins is shared between you. I think, oh, you, did we, we hit the assassin. We did. Yeah. Unfortunately. How, how, quickly, did you, how, how quickly did you hit the assassin is the question. Well, I think we got five or six 
green um, spies on the board, didn't we? Yeah. So they're all green because obviously you're working together, sort of. Um, I think we we got... The uh, thing is, there's like, I don't know how many you said, like 14 spies yeah. you've got to try and find. And it's the same 5x5 five five grid as, as normal code names. Um, what I liked was that on this one, the innocent bystanders, then they don't cover the whole card. They're just like a little token that goes in the corner, and there's a little arrow to point towards whose innocent bystander it was. Because obviously, as Matt was saying, some some of the things are shared, so what could be an innocent bystander on one person's side of the, the code breaker card could actually be a spy on the other person's. So you've got to still be able to see the word. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought it was quite fun. I don't know how many different versions of code names one can own before it's too many, though. <laughs> yeah. Because I've got, I've got regular code names, and then there's code names pictures, and then there's code names something else, and now there's code names duets. So there's quite a few different ones. Yeah. So after Codenames Duet, we uh, wandered over to see someone who we had prearranged to talk to, and that was uh, the ladies from Game on Tabletop, which is a new crowdfunding platform uh, which is launching soon, and that was uh, Laura Hoffman and uh, Jenny Bendel, uh, who we spoke to about that. Um, we actually did a short interview with Laura, so I think uh, now is the perfect time to uh, to play that in. So um, we'll go and listen to that, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Yeah, I'm Laura and I'm with Game on Tabletop and Game on Tabletop is crowdfunding for gamers by gamers. Okay, so I guess the big question people are going to ask is why is Game On any different to Kickstarter or Indiegogo? It's because um, Game On was created with a gamer in mind and has everything you need to run a successful um, campaign, including a real-time pledge manager, including um, accounting tools, including lots of options to personalise your campaign um, and generally manage it. So, so yeah, the, on the press release you said you've already got a partnership with someone in place for like a campaign. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, so we have our first campaign that will be launching next week, June 6th, which is um, the Pinnacle Fear Agent and the Goon campaign where they, they actually founded it on Kickstarter in the, at the beginning and they're bringing it to Game On uh, to use as a pledge manager and as well to, to open it up for late uh, backers that want to join in. Um, so we are really excited of that, about that, having them there. Um, so how long have you been planning in general? So Game On actually, the, the, the technology behind it does exist, existed already for over four years in France, so we've been running that website very successfully over there under the name of Passage Valley, um, and it's been, it's become like the go-to place for game, game crowdfunding, and many people approached us about opening it up and being able to using it, so uh, we're going global with this now. Um, so it's been approved and tested, and it's... it's working out. Are you going to go worldwide or are you going to launch in other specific markets? Or? We're going, going, going to go worldwide. Our first campaign is going to be a US campaign. So we have some Germans and UK and we have Germany and we'd like to have every country out there um, be there. We want this to be the new home for gamers. Yeah. Um, 
for the gaming community. So how are you, obviously you're here at this event, how else are you going to get the word out to people to say, you know what, you should use Game on Tabletop instead of Kickstarter? So we're doing a lot of um, marketing and press work, of course, uh, but in addition to that, uh, we have a background in the gaming publishing industry, so so we are reaching out to all the people we know and the people we trust and uh, the, the, the bringing them onto the platform um, and doing lots of smaller events that we want to do. We're doing game designer panel, we're inviting young game designers to come and, and create their games to get to chat with game designers. And, I guess successful breeds success. If people see the platform yeah. works well, yes. then more people yes. come to it. So. And we believe that what makes campaigns successful are the companies behind them and the games behind them. Um, so, and we're there to support these publishers as best as possible. Um, and of course, they will bring their own people with them as well because that's, that's the trust where, where it comes from, is from people that create awesome things. Just finally, what's your background? What brought you to where you are today? So I've always loved games, um, and my big dream was working for an RPG company, and I got that chance uh, a few years ago to work for the major French RPG uh, publisher, so the ones behind Game On, um, and from there it just went went on, and I'm now here. With, with, with Game On. So uh, just tell everyone how they can find you and get more information. So you can find us on www.gameontabletop.com. Uh, of course, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, whenever. Uh, right now, you can start signing up there to be the first to know about everything going on and also get some early bird specials afterwards. Uh, yeah, and get in touch and reach out to us. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Okay, so... Thanks, Laura, for taking a few minutes out of your day to, to talk to us about that. Um, I think it's it's quite quite interesting. I mean, I, I think they're going to have a bit of a struggle getting people on board because, as we said, I think people are just going to go, oh, why should I use this instead of Kickstarter? But I think if they can get the word out and, and, and show people that their platform is a success, then I can't see how it would be anything other than a good thing. Well, I think they'll probably do okay um, in Europe purely because a lot of European countries have their own versions of Kickstarter yeah. anyway. Like Germany has Spielerschmeider, and I know there's a different one in Poland and a, a different one in Russia, and there's quite a few out there. Um, so I, th- I suppose Indiegogo is more of a UK one, or it used to be. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think they'll do okay. So after that, we uh, have another prototype game, which we'll talk about in a bit more detail on our next episode. But we, we went along to see the guys at, uh, at Lander, which was, again, another prearranged uh, thing. And um, we spent about an hour playing that, and uh, unfortunately we didn't get to finish the game. But uh, promising, and I, I like the look of it. Yeah, I quite liked it. Um, obviously, they, they were just... Um, it was just a prototype, so they 3D printed all of their bits and pieces, which seemed to be quite a, a common theme yeah quite quite a lot of people out there have, have got their hands on 3d printers and are making game parts for their prototypes with 3d printers so um, i i think uh, i think you'd like this gareth i don't know if you saw it i completely missed that one actually um what was the, what's the deal with it so i mean i'll i won't go into too in depth because we're going to talk about it at another point but essentially um you're on a spaceship and it sends out like a scout vessel to the surface of a planet to gather minerals and things like that 
uh, but it crashes and so there's each of you has your own crew or you build up your own crew and you are aiming to be the first one to uh, complete milestone missions and, and build up your uh, resources and things like that to, to be the most powerful um, crew on this new planet so that sounds pretty cool actually yeah, I, I should keep an eye for that one as well definitely do it was it was quite fun obviously it was it's just a prototype so they, they've still got some tweaking to do but it, uh, it was very promising I would say so after that we uh, we had to dash off because we had some shows to go and see but we went via via the food area of course of course did, did you actually get out to the um, the food market out in the Hilton South? we did that, uh, that was, we that had was some lovely toasties from Jabba, the Jabberwocky didn't we mm. yes well, I had been meaning to to try many a time before, and just hadn't had the chance. But we ate in the drizzle because it wasn't too cold, and they were they were very nice toasties. Oh yeah, it was pretty bad weather on the Friday, wasn't it? As I recall. Um, yeah, it was. It was a bit worse on the Sunday because it was Friday was okay because it was drizzling, but it was still warm. Whereas Sunday it was drizzling and cold. Not nice. And, that- and yeah. Because I, I was wearing shorts thinking, oh, it's going to be really hot in the in the hall uh, and didn't have a coat or anything. And so I was walking around in short sleeve shirt and shorts going, it's cold. <laughs> so we, 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 we endured the, um, after we left the expo on Saturday evening, uh, sorry, Friday evening, we um, endured the walk through Birmingham City Centre through the torrential run- thunderstorm. That was That was good fun. Ah um, oh, yes, the one we drove home in. Oh, I was walking through like that. Uh, yes, to the uh, to the taxi driver who said that he didn't want to give us a lift from New Street to the hotel, which is down by Snow, Snow Hill Station. Thank you very much for that, mate. We got soaked. Cheers. Ah, oh, it's probably because it uh, wouldn't have given him much money. No, he basically point back refused to stick us in his car and let us go with him. So um, it's like I'm willing to pay you money to take me to the hotel. Wow. No. Okay. So never mind. Anyway, so. So we had three shows in the uh, evening on Friday. So first up was the MMORPG show. Yes. And that was by Paul Flannery, the guy who plays Treyguard in Nightmare Live. And that was yep. basically like an RPG, but he got three people out of the audience to come up. And he had a giant D20. And I mean, it, this this thing was huge, wasn't it? Yes, it was about the size of a football. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, he asked them to all to make up characters and and things like that. I think the, the I think the, it was fine. We did get two children up there, and let's say their imaginations weren't quite as vivid as the uh, adult who was up there. No, yes. Like, what's your what's your what's your character's name? And the girl just shrugged. So they went, "Ah, oh, your name's Shrug." Yes, um, and the boy who wanted to name himself after himself. Finn, yeah, and then Paul went. Yeah. No, you are. That's what you are, not what your name is. You are a Finn, and uh, you are just a dorsal fin. A dorsal fin called Tiger. <laughs> yes, because I think the the idea, um, as Paul Flannery sets it out at the beginning, is this is an RPG but with no rules. Yes, yeah. so he just made made stuff up as he went along, and he said, um, because there's no rules, I want you to make up your character race so you're not allowed to use elves or dwarves or whatever you have to pick an amalgamation between something that's real and something that's not so after that i went home and I, it was stuck in my head so i decided that i would be a sharkery which would be a shark fairy oh right, okay the 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 first guy was a wear teapot wasn't he 
Yes. <laughs> like that. That's so in a wear teapot, we had a uh, a fin, a dorsal fin that apparently was really, really, really good at biting the heads off dragons because he rolled like a d, like a nineteen, didn't he, when he went to do that? Or yes, despite not having a mouth. Yeah. Uh, and what was the what was the girl? What was Shrug? I can't oh. even remember. She was some sort of warrior. Okay, I can remember that she amazed everyone with the shrug dance. Yeah, and her weapon was a trebuchet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, Tiger, the Finn, his weapon was a singular bowling pin, and he was the thief. He didn't use his weapon at all, did he? He just bit, no, he bit just everything. bit pieces off of things. I'm like, for a six-year-old, this is quite dark. And the, uh, the mage had a uh, bag of moths, didn't they? Magical moths. But yes. the problem was, every time he rolled, he got like a two or a three, so it didn't do didn't do anything. They just flew off. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds like the the, um, the middle child there, the Finn character, has read a little bit too much of DC and the whole King Shark thing. Maybe. Uh, the uh, in fact that reminds me that reminds me of a joke that uh, James Cook said in the next live show we went to see, uh, which was Pandemic, Pandemic Live. Uh, and he's, he, two jokes that he said in that which um, stuck with me so that one was the, the DC when he went Washington DC the slightly more uh, gritty, gritty, gritty realist realist version uh, than, than Washington Marvel Marvel <laughs> and the other one was uh, so we're playing Pandemic Live and like a disenfranchised goth at Glastonbury we are desperately seeking the cure <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Yeah, she's, yeah. <laughs> I quite like you that took one. a bit after that one. Yeah, so after MMORPG, we saw Pandemic yes. Live. <laughs> I was jumping um, in there. Which, which featured John Robertson, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Who, of course, does not need a microphone. No. Paul Grogan. Yeah. From Czech Games Edition. Mm-hmm. And was it Z Garcia? Z Garcia, yeah. Yes, from The Dice Tower. Hosted, of course, by James Cook and the concept of disease. Yeah. Now, if anybody who hasn't seen Pandemic Live, we will not spoil what the concept of disease is. Because that's half the fun yes, it is. of going. Let's just say as well, the concept of disease spreads as the night goes on. <laughs> yes. And that's all now, we're going to say about that. Yes, everybody voted to play Pandemic on hard mode. Yeah. Um, and considering the only person who had any idea of what he was doing was Z Garcia, and even he seemed a little bit lost, you can see how things weren't. We weren't going to last the full two hours. As I say, I'm pretty sure um, I, I'm, I'm willing to put reasonable money on you dying fairly fast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the idea with Pandemic Live is obviously that's that's three players. We have a fourth player, and the fourth player is the audience, mm-hmm. um, which isn't everybody shouts out at once. It's um, James Cook gets one representative per turn to come up and, and take the turn of the audience. Uh, we we man- I think we were the scientists, we weren't we? Yeah, but the, we did manage to cure one disease, though, which on hard mode is now no mean feat. Yes, and what was that disease, Matthew? It was the posh disease. Yes, we cured the posh disease. Unfortunately, Kofifi did not get cured. <laughs> but he managed, to, uh, he managed to cure at least one half of the Beckhams then. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were the other, I can't remember what the other ones were called. Uh, Darren. Darren. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
I can't remember what the last one was. I just asked, did they actually? Oh, just... it was strong and stable. Strong and stable. <laughs> strong and that's stable. It. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm getting the impression from this that they kind of pulled these names out of a hat somewhere. No, they were just shouted out from the audience. Amazing, love it. And then after that, we watched one of a show, which was another RPG show, which I enjoyed a lot less than the MMO RPG show. I have to say. Yeah, me too. Uh, it was just a. They, it, they were trying to make it a normal RPG, but as as the night went on and time got short a lot of the rules went out the window but basically they were playing an rpg but each of the players were playing to a different rule set so one was yeah, playing from a, from a different um uh publisher. d20 yeah. rule thing so somebody was playing pathfinder somebody was playing starfinder somebody was playing dread 20 which you don't roll dice you take blocks out of a jenga tower yeah, I've got I've got Dread. It's um I've got, I've well I've got it. I've got the PDF of it. It's it's quite good. It's I, I like the idea of that game quite a lot. Although I've yet to actually run a game of it yet. Yeah, there was also um one of one of the guys playing by the Munchkin D twenty rules. Unsurprisingly, he is the artist for Munchkin. Yeah. Basically, there were there were six people playing, and one of the chaps from Sirenscape, the game night music app, was sort of. Um, DMing, I suppose. Yeah, and it was all sort of a bit made up. So was it they had to sort of sit and just kind of play one RPG using six different rule sets? Is that right? Basically. Yeah, um, and they they took like shout outs from the audience, like so and so needs a magic item. What will it be? A steam powered kettle. <laughs> okay. Paul um, finally found that rather rather amusing, didn't he? Yes. He managed to use it to great effect. A device that produces steam, powered Te- by steam. Yes. <laughs> um, and the magical toothpick, which turned into an ent. <laughs> That's quite and, good. And because nobody brought their own minis, everybody was like a toothpaste cap and a banana end and a scrumpled up ticket from Bletchley Park and stuff like this. I, I, but I found it dragging. Um, I'm guessing that's probably because I'm not really an RPG person. Because I think, the other members I think, of the audience seem to be enjoying it a lot more than we were. Yeah, but I think some of the choices in the narrative yeah. rubbed me up the wrong way a little bit. Um, but I also think if you're going to play an RPG, you're probably going to enjoy it if you're playing it, not watching a bunch of people play it. Especially if you're an utter RPG noob like we are. Mm. I must confess, I'm not sure I could see. The, uh, yeah, basically, I can. You know, I've done. I've, I've played a fair, fair few RPGs over my life, and um, yeah, if you if you're the guy who dies, it's not a lot of fun watching your friends play without you. Um, it has happened a couple of times where characters got wiped out quite quickly into a into a quest, um, and the GM was been has been particularly harsh and gone. You know, normally they'll. they'll find a way to save you but yeah no, I can imagine if you're watching it with a group of people they might find some of the jokes quite funny I think for me for me, I would probably be rather up there playing it with the, with the others really um, so yes RPG Plus Live was our last part of Friday yeah and that took us up to 10 o'clock on Friday evening which was lighter than we expected uh, yes and as we left there was a massive queue of people waiting to get in because there was a showing of the do- well I say showing you know what I mean a game of the dark room happening afterwards which probably would have been meant that those people didn't get out till about 11 o'clock I would not want to have had to have done 
from nine in the morning until that time at night no no definitely not I mean by by six o'clock we were dead in our feet um, we'd walked pretty much the entire day from that point um, we were in our hotel room and we were in we were in bed and asleep by 10.30 yeah. <laughs> and that's how old we all are my friends and me uh, I, I went home um, copied all the stuff from my phone and my portable recorder onto my computer I made a fatal error which we will get into in a little bit and then uh, we I went to bed I, I collapsed I, I came home got changed went and lay down look at my phone a bit and was like just because my back was giving me jip and then a few hours later we were back there again yes so Saturday morning Saturday morning we came in and we made a beeline for Burning Games. Yeah, because we'd arranged to see Jon at Burning Games and have a demo of their new game, Ether Wars. And as Ray said earlier, we had a good proper game of that. We, that lasted us about an hour, didn't it, I think? About an hour. I think, I think we didn't leave properly until about 10.45. So it was about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. So yeah, we went and saw Burning Games. We had a play with Ether Wars. The, they also had their new, well, the first base core set of their new RPG, Faith, which also looked quite interesting, but well, we ran out of time yeah. and obviously prioritising the board games because um, that's what we normally do. So we'll talk a bit more in depth about Ether Wars uh, in our next episode, but essentially it's a uh, sort of space combat type game uh, of dice placement and where there is a board with lots of resources on it and you have to place your dice and roll them to get try and get those resources uh, also in the centre of the board there is the mystical ether which everyone is trying to get the most of because that's the win condition uh, the first person to get a certain amount is the winner uh, and then you can also battle with the other players and you can attack them to steal their stuff and uh, it just looks like a very well-rounded and, and very well-designed game, I thought. Yeah, so even though um, it was still pre... Is it pre-production? I think it was a pre-production yeah, copy. Yeah, pre-production copy. It still looked like it It was pretty much there. Yeah. Compared, compared to some of the other prototypes we saw, which still needed bits and pieces doing, um, Ether Wars looks like it's pretty much ready to go. And then we had to dash off from there to uh, Tinkerbot Games, where we saw one of my picks for the show, which I later ended up buying, which was Ghostal. Yep, and we got to play um, three rounds of that. With the designer? Yes, Bevan. Bevan, yeah, who has a card in the game. And we met Gino, the, uh, one of the other guys at uh, Tinkerbot, and he also has a card in the game. And uh, yeah, you basically, you've got a 3x3 three three grid, which is the hotel on a nice board uh, there's a scoring tracker on the outside which you keep track of your score as you go and then you can use that score to buy uh, extra cards that help you scare the guests in the hotel uh, and everyone's got this nice little uh, plastic ghost which is your stereotypical ghost of someone with a sheet over their head basically <laughs> so they're sort of sticking with the uh, the, uh, the, the good old fashioned yeah, the retro style yeah yeah, it's, it's it's a lovely looking game and uh, it got very well reviewed by Tom Vassell on the Dice Tower and they had a little iPad playing bits from his review on there. You know, a bit where he says, oh, I think a lot of people are really going to like this game. And uh, I think he's he's dead right. 
dead right you see ghosts yeah. <laughs> well they were there they were there technically with the second printing so obviously quite a lot of people do like the game if they're if they're at the second printing yeah, already that's true. Um, and they had a little lucky dip where you could try and find the golden die or dice because there were six of them and then you'd win something I had a go I did not find the golden dice but you got to keep the dice that you did pull out so I think I got a white d8 and a a 3D printed blank D6 that I can customise should I wish to. Should I decide I want to design a game? Uh, we then had some lunch. I can't remember what we did for lunch on the on the Saturday. Oh, we went outside to the NEC's own little food area, didn't we? Cook Street. Yeah, which wasn't as good as the one outside the Hilton. No. It was a bit Especially because uh, I ended up getting tartar sauce all day in me from the fish and chips I had. Oh dear. <laughs> Slightly, yeah. It, well, when she put it on, it dripped down the side and I didn't realise. And then when, as I was eating it, it dripped onto my, my shirt. Brilliant. But luckily, when we got back inside, I didn't realise this. There were lots of these little, like, what were they called? I think they were called um, nerd refresh points. Yeah, where they'd, like, or, some or of the... geek co- refresh geek points refresh or something. Points, yeah, where they'd put, like, um, wet wipes and hand sanitizer and stuff like that out for people to use. Yeah, yeah, and loads of deodorants and stuff. <laughs> that probably also helped with the yeah, the smell of the hall as well on the outside yeah, as well. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I found one of those on the. I think I found it on the second day. Literally, as I was walking out the Saturday. I was like, "Oh, what's that? Ooh, how cool is that?" Yeah, I thought that was a nice. That was a nice little uh, addition. I think I found two of them. There must have been more. Um, because I, I think I got I nicked a wet wipe after we came back. Uh, from nightmare later on in the day. Purely because being in the Hilton is quite close and gross, and I was like, "My face feels horrible." It was it was a bit over there too. So I found that when I was over there on the Saturday afternoon, it was it there was in the gaming room there was a rather rather nasty odor wafting out after I walked past it. It's like, "Oh my god, that smells rank in there!" Not going in there. Yeah, see, imagine that, but the whole expo was in there. That's what it was like two years ago. I don't think I don't think I want to. So it's it's a lot nicer now that it's in the halls. And next year it's going to be in Hall 1 and Hall 2. So it's going to be even massiver. Really? Oh, I have that yeah. word. Apparently, yeah. Because they had Hall 3 as the tournament area, didn't they? But I mean, obviously, you only really went there if you want to go watch or if you're obviously taking part. Um, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't bother um, because we had so much other stuff to look at. Um, but uh, that's going to be quite cool. So are they actually going to spread the trade hall between the two, like Hall 1 and Hall 2, or is it going to be like... Um, I'm not sure. It was just something that got mentioned on Sunday um, after they said they were the third biggest. They said uh, next year we're going to be back. It's going to be even bigger. It's going to be Hall 1 and Hall 2. I'm thinking... Oh, my God. Those Those are two fairly large halls, because Hall 1, I think, isn't it the biggest one? Oh, I don't know. Hall, it might be Hall One. I think Hall One and Hall Five are two of the bigger ones because they're they're right in that main. Yeah, they're opposite each other pavilion. in the lobby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe they'll have more. Maybe they'll move like the free play areas and the thirsty meeple library and all that stuff all into one place, 
and just have trade in one of the halls and then have free play in one of the other halls. That w- that would make a lot of sense actually because I, I found that the um the free play areas. I think people were when we were sat playing, people were wandering over and saying, "Oh, can anybody play?" And they were they were pretty good about encouraging people and saying, "Oh, yeah, absolutely, just you know get on and do whatever you want." But I think if you had it in a different designated area people were I mean some of the people on Facebook were saying um, that, that I'm in a group on um, were saying the same thing they found it a bit hard to approach people about games or what to do it, not sure how, how, how to approach people I think if you had it in a different area it would work well would it work better you'd have just like walk up sit at the table and see like massive signs of saying free play come play whatever you want I think it, it, w- it would make sense I think to be honest yeah because I think if if you if you had sort of like the designated, what I would prefer is if they if they didn't have all the because you've got obviously all the publishers and so on going come and look at our games come and have a game with us blah blah blah, then you've got all the shops who are selling stuff then you've got all the free play areas. To me, if you put all the shops together, that would be a lot easier because. You sort of wander around, and after three days, you're so turned around, you're sitting sitting there thinking, well, I saw this one game at that one shop, and I have no idea where it is. Yeah, yeah. So then you have to spend about an hour walking around the whole bloody expo looking for that one shop for that one game. Whereas if they were all sort of in a similar area, then it would be a lot easier to sort of be able to split your day up to go, right, I'm going to look at new stuff, then I'm going to go play... So in the free play area, and then I'm going to buy some stuff, and yeah, and also maybe they could do with um, the bring and buy area might be, need to be a bit bigger because we went we went past it at one point on Saturday, and the queue was absolutely massive to get in. Did you actually go to the bring and buy at all this year? I only went in to drop my stuff off and to pick up whatever didn't sell. Right. Okay. Cool. And that was sort of. Like when I went to drop it off, I had I dropped it off on on um, Saturday, and the queue was sort of it looked like it was about two hours long. Oh my to god! Get in there, and I'm like, and it's like that every year though. It is like I mean, on the Friday we we, we saw the queue on the Friday afternoon. We thought, oh, we'll go try to bring him by before we left, and then went to look at the queue. We thought, you know, ah, forget that. We'll, we'll and then Saturday we went straight in, went straight into the bring him by, and we were in there in about. 20 minutes like first thing Saturday morning and sort of you know, about half 10-ish um, but I must admit I was a bit disappointed about the bringing by this year I don't know if you guys want to talk about that now or talk about it later um, I don't know um, I find it to be a bit disappointing to be honest yeah see I didn't bother going in to look for stuff I mean from the point of view of I, I brought stuff to sell I think they what they were trying to do is they were trying to separate it all. So you had all of the board games, all of the card games, all of the little small games, and then all of the sort of war games and RPGs and random miniatures and stuff mm, mm. on different tables. But then when I went in sort of to, to go and see if I could find my stuff to, to book it out, it, I still couldn't quite understand where everything was because yeah. my, my my games were all card games and absolutely none of them were on the card games table so uh, that may just be because people moved them around but yeah at the same time i think it, it possibly got a bit confused and it, it just seems like a, such a small area 
Yeah, I mean, like for me, um, it, it, it was bigger than last year. I think it was better laid out than last year. So they obviously have learned some lessons because last year it was more into the centre of the into the centre of the arena, wasn't it? It was sort of away from the wall. Whereas this year it was yeah. like right at the edge, which is good because you could queue. Because last time I remember walking around and suddenly walking into a, like a horde of people um, on the Friday afternoon, going, "Oh, what's this?" and um, sort of spending about an hour queuing to get into it. Whereas this year it was because it, it was on the side, they could send queues around the side of the wall and around the edge of the arena, and that worked better. But um, I think for me the biggest I mean, I I, don't, I didn't actually buy anything out of Bring and Buy, and the reason I didn't do it was because I was actually worried that the games weren't complete. Because I got stung last year when I bought a game from there where somebody had put in basically fake components that didn't actually match the game. And it wasn't until I actually took it outside and sat in the cafe and looked at it and realised that I'd been sort of done over. I thought, oh, yeah, I thought that's pretty pretty poor. And um, so I picked a few things up in the Bring and Buy, I looked at it and went, oh, yeah, I'm, I've been looking for that. I saw, like I found a copy of Robinson Crusoe, which I was looking to pick up. But I had no way of checking if it was complete. And it, it just it triggered a bit of a e moment in me. I thought, actually, no, I'm not going to buy it because it's it's almost forty quid. If it's not all there, and I've got no way of checking it while I'm at the expo, then I'm I'm kind of stuffed. Um, and I must admit, some people on Facebook have mentioned that um, guys were checking stuff in there while they were, before they bought it, and they found a few games that did have bits missing, which I thought was really that was pretty poor actually, um, because you, it works on like it does work on, on like an honor system. People, yeah, will give you the whole game and you can buy it, and, and it should all be complete. Um, so um, that that didn't seem me particularly. What I was, what really kind of did frustrate me a bit was that I was walking around looking at the prices, and there was lots of stuff in there that was overpriced. I thought um, for secondhand games. I mean, some stuff was selling for actually more than you could buy it for brand new in the expo itself. I mean, that's down to people. You know, obviously, you just try a, try try the luck really. But it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit disappointing because there was there wasn't really any bargains in there. It was all I thought it was all at trade price or or, or even above. I think there is a. Um, they do like scout the floors though for um, bits that might have fallen out because obviously, as people are looking at games, things do fall out of the boxes. And um, I've been looking on the Board Game Geek forums today actually, and people have been saying, you know, oh, I bought this and it's missing these components. And they said, I'll oh, contact uh, this person because they might have found the bits that are missing because we find a lot of stuff when we're cleaning up, you know. So, mm, mm. But you're right, I mean, there's no. You do have the ability to return stuff, though, as far as I know. Yeah, you do. I mean, I mean, I did last year. I, I took the game back, and the, and the guys, the um, the guys expert, they, they gave me the money back. Um, they did sort of say, you know, uh, do you not check it before you bought it? It's like, well, it's kind of hard to check sort of a game. It was a copy of Space Crusade that I got stung with, and um, oh, there's really? a lot of stuff in there. You know, there's loads of tiles and bits and bobs and tokens and stuff. Um, but you know, they, they fair play. They were, they were good, and they sorted it out. And they gave me the money back, which is good. Um, I think it's a difficult one because they can't check out everything. Intimately, that goes into the bring and buy. You know, there has to be a level of trust. Um, so, I think it was more the pricing that annoyed me more than anything else this year. And just the fact that you wander around going, "Oh, there's a copy of Gears of War there," and it was like 150 quid. And like, I'm not paying that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, yeah. But then again, again, to be fair, I saw a guy walking out with a copy of Gears of War, which I've been trying to find a copy of for ages, um, and he got it for 50 quid. So, fair play. I mean, it's it's less than you'll find it on for eBay, and he was happy. And lots of other people were walking out with loads of cool stuff, and they were really happy with it. So, yeah, it obviously fills the market. I suppose I just, I don't know, just couldn't get excited about it this year. I don't know why. I think it depends on what you're looking for because when I went round, there was sort of stuff that was absolutely brand new, and I'm thinking, surely you could just buy this off Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Whereas to me, the bring and buy is more sort of. I'd go and look for something that I know is all. I mean, I know it's been out for a while, and maybe it hasn't come down in cost as much as I would like it, and maybe someone's 
had it for a year or two and they don't like they don't want to play it anymore and that sort of thing um admittedly some of the i mean some the stuff that i took is most of it i hadn't even played one of them was still in its cellophane um which did sell um probably because it was still in the cellophane Mm. um but yeah i mean 10 10 percent of everything you make as a seller goes is commission um which then goes to charity so i don't know whether people were overpricing their stuff because they knew they were going to lose 10 percent of it even though it was going to charity and they 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 didn't think that was you know in their best interests or whatever um but it's a bit of a shame that people do sort of take advantage and and i'm sure yeah some 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 cases will be that stuff has fallen out because people are opening the boxes but at the same time yeah the it's still quite small there's not much space in there there's no space to sort of go oh i want to look at this game and check that everything is there yeah yeah there's no like empty tables for you to go and do that there's no seats or anything like that and and even when I was in there on like the Sunday afternoon, just sort of checking where my stuff was before I booked it out, th- there were blokes who were just like walking in front of me, and I was standing at the table, and they just push in front of me, and I'm like, "What are you doing, mate? It's it's practically empty. You literally could wait thirty seconds for me to move on mm. from what I'm browsing, and I I would hate to be in there. See, I think the problem I had last year is I went when it was rammed. And it just, oh, it it sort of got the social anxiety hackles up, and I was, it made me just like, eh. yeah, I, I, I get that because people, it's so cramped and and warm, and everybody's just, they sort of lose the ability to be polite. Yeah, and you get people's elbows in your tits and all this stuff, and <laughs> that's Sorry. that's not not a problem for everybody, obviously. Um, <laughs> But it just sort of, oh, I just found it so unpleasant because it's so crammed and it, you get a little bit, yeah. So it's interesting because it, 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 it's, for me, also the ethos of, of the people, that, of the mindset of the people that are in there is quite different. Um, for, for example, like you walk around the expo and people are kind of saying, have a nice expo and they're being really friendly. And like the second you go into the, into the bring and buy, it's kind of, it all gets really cutthroat. And so it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what I imagine Walmart is like on Black Friday. Exactly. At, yeah. At 2 a.m. Exactly. It's like people sort of climbing over each other to get, oh my God, there's a copy of, you know, there's a copy of Innis, get in there and get it, you know, and um, it's kind of, I mean, I, I, I recognised it in myself when I was walking around going, I saw a few things, went, oh, I'll have a look at that, and, you know, but then I, just, I think they could, there's some elements they could possibly do to make it a bit better organised, I think. Um, I don't know, maybe have it as, I don't know, have it as a shop and list everything online and people can just go and order it at a, 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 a checkout and say, actually, I want to buy that, can I have that, please? That might make it better. I don't know, it's, it's a tough one, I don't know what they could do about it, really, but it is quite, it was quite mercenary, I felt a bit annoyed by it. And uh, <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it this year. It's like I wasn't, I didn't see anything in there that particularly was well priced. I thought, like I said, and it just felt like I was being shepherded around trying to find something that I might want to buy. And then I left, walked out in the end going, didn't really enjoy that. The rest of the expo was great, but the bringing by was a bit of a disappointment for me this year, I've got to be honest. Yeah, see, I remember I bought something from the first year. I'm pretty sure I didn't buy anything last year, and I definitely didn't buy anything this year from the bringing by. And I know that. Obviously, I do have like 
social anxiety and I don't like being in crowds, but it's just sort of the the fact that you're in that crowd and you're in a tiny cramped space and you're being jostled this way and that way and there's no clear way like, please continue around the tables in, in this direction. Mm. Um, and everybody's, one. some people are going one way and some people are going the other way and it's it's all it's just not the most pleasant of environments. Yeah, no, I get that. I know what you mean. And so, like, I find the same way that even you know even even being of the of the male persuasion that I find it difficult to kind of get around people. They would they would push you out of the way, um, and sort of they wouldn't move at all. Even though they weren't looking, they're just kind of hovering. You kind of kind of just get in, please. That right? I mean, one guy was pretty rude. He kind of barged into me quite forcefully, um, and he didn't apologise. And I was quite annoyed about that. I thought actually, this is um, everyone here is really friendly. Um, this is kind of not what it's about. this is not what it's about for me. But you know, like I said, I just it just didn't really work for me this year. I I, I kind of enjoyed it last year because it was brand new and I was running around seeing all this really cool stuff. And you see a copy of Hero Quest and you go, oh my god, it's Hero Quest. And uh, and then you go and then this year I just I don't know, it just felt really flat. To be honest, I was more excited about sort of playing this stuff out in the straight halls and looking at what's on the actual games sort of in the, in the shops because it was sealed and it was and a lot of the prices were better than the bring and buy. So after lunch on Saturday, we went to see Hall or Nothing. We had a chat with Tristan Hall. Um, he had his two games there, Gloom of Killforth and his new game um, upcoming, which is 1066, Tears Too Many Mothers. Um, 1066 is going to be the Saxons versus the Normans. And you don't necessarily have to abide by history huh. in that battle. It's going to be a two-player game. Gloom of Killforth, um, I mentioned earlier, absolutely lovely art. 330 odd different pieces of art in the game it looks very nice um it's like a a fantasy rpg light but it's based in cards and it's more narrative based than perhaps some other board games that are more combat based um so i did ask and he did say it's sort of like a gateway to rpgs for those people who are more card game board game based um that i think he kickstarted it two years ago and it's, it's now available for purchase yeah and then this is where we discovered my fatal mistake that i made the night before which i alluded to earlier so we had arranged to go and see him and do an interview so i took the audio recorder out of my bag and realized that i'd left my micro sd card in my computer at home oops Luckily, I had my phone, and my phone has a recording app on it, so we use that. So apologies if the audio quality for this next few minutes isn't quite as good um, as it should be. Um, I hold my hands up and take full responsibility for that, because I am an idiot. A a tired Uh, Yes, I was very tired when I did that, to be fair. So yeah, here's an interview with Tristan, so we'll be back in a few minutes. Hi, my name's Tristan Hall. I'm here with Hall and Nothing Productions at UK Games Expo to promote two games. The first one is Gloom of Killforth, which we successfully kickstarted 18 months ago. The reason it's taken so long to produce is we have one artist do all of the art for the game, nearly 300 unique images, which are absolutely gorgeous, in my opinion, some of the best in the industry. Um, so that landed this week, and we're selling that at the show. Uh, all of the backers' copies are shipping out now and will arrive over the next couple of weeks. And it's a fantasy adventure game for one to four players which can be played competitively, cooperatively or solo. And it sort of recreates Dungeons and Dragons in an evening. That's the idea. It's like a big 
fantasy questing adventure game um, with lots of focus on narrative and uh, it's quite a meaty experience so it takes about 45 minutes to an hour for the player so you, you dedicate an evening to playing this game. Uh, the second game we're here with is called 1066 Tears to Many Mothers and this kick-started on um, Friday and we're 75% towards funding so uh, we're doing okay at the moment but we need all the help we can get spending the word and this is a one to two player card game that recreates the Battle of Hastings um, with each player playing as either Saxons or Normans and trying to race each other to overcome a series of historical objectives that William and Harold had to overcome on the way to the battle. Uh, how many players is, is this one? Sorry, uh, Gloomy Killforth is one to four yeah, players, yeah. and if you play it competitively, it's a race to be the first player to level up and complete your your own personal story, your saga, yeah. and then take on the boss and win the game. Uh, and if you play it cooperatively, there's one evil ancient boss for each player. And every turn, players take it turns to play actions and go around exploring, speaking to strangers, going on adventures, exploring ancient shrines, and then fighting bad guys and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, and the whole time, after the heroes have taken their actions, uh, the game gets a turn. So at the end of the day, night falls, and one of the locations in the game falls into gloom. And this gloom spreads across the land, the gloom of Killforth. And if whatever mode you're playing in, if the gloom covers the board, it's game over and everybody loses. Okay. So, um, talk about your inspiration for creating the game. Yeah, absolutely. So I was playing um, uh, Arkham Horror back in 2005. And I thought, wouldn't it be brilliant if there was a fantasy version of this that had a, like a D&D, like Lord of the Rings style thing. And so uh, it didn't exist, and it still doesn't. I've, uh, all of the fantasy games that I play uh, that I've seen on the market are uh, battle games where you have to kill things and steal treasure. And for me, the focus has always been on the, the emergent narrative and the stories that you can tell in the game. And that's often going and interacting with people and, and creating little vignettes, little moments that you come away from the game and that you enjoy and you talk about afterwards rather than how many sixes you rolled or how many you know tens you rolled or that kind of thing. So that was a huge um, influential factor for me. The actual world itself is based on a, a Dungeons & Dragons campaign I created where uh, the gloom has already spread, the, the demons have arrived and everything's hopeless. And the humans are, are the last bastion of hope trying to fight against the relentless tide of evil. Whereas this game gives you the opportunity to go back and change that narrative and hopefully stop the gloom from happening by taking out the ancients that are causing it. Uh, so you've obviously gone from one to four to one to two player game. So what made you make this one only a two player game as opposed to a two So yeah, they, they, both games were made years ago and uh, we were actually at a point where potentially we would have kick-started 1066 before Gloom of Killforth when it started getting award nominations a couple of years ago. But so many people had playtested Gloom of Killforth and were asking for it, we decided to go with that one first. And I'm glad we did because it's a huge game and it's on a much bigger scale. And now that we're doing 1066, it's half the size, so we can do it at half the price. But it was another really important narrative story for me is 1066 and the Battle of Hastings because it's such a romantic story, you know, about Harold and um, did he get shot in the eye? Historians, you know, will argue that he didn't. but the actual tale and the making of England or the breaking of England and everything that goes with it was hugely influential on me. It's the reason I studied medieval history at college. And uh, the actual game itself is steeped in the history. So whereas Gloom and Killforth is a complete fantasy, Tolkien-esque style adventure, this is uh, a recreation of the event. So obviously it's hugely abstract because it's a card game, but every card in the game is based on a real character, unit, tactic, or something that happened at the event. So all the narrative flavour text in it is a little bit of a history lesson. You can bring in uh, Harold's brothers into the game, Leofwin and Gurth, and they have powers 
based on who they are. So they'll make each other cheaper because they're family. They make each other cheaper to play. Um, and you're racing each other to overcome the same sort of objectives that William and Harold had to overcome. So Harold has to go north and fight the Vikings at Stamford Bridge and then march back down Urban Street to gather his forces and make his way to Hastings. And meanwhile, William is trying to go to the War Council of Ruin and turn his war into a holy crusade and get papal support. And then he's got to cross the channel. And then both armies arrive at Hastings and duke it out in bloody fashion by uh, uh, trying to fight over the three wedges of troops because the battle was fought over three wedges. And the first person to destroy two wedges with the troops wins the game. So it's um, yeah, it's a very different theme. But I also wanted to prove as well that we can do different games. Yeah. Kill Force our calling card to show how high we go with the quality, what we're prepared to do to make it the best possible quality for our battles. You know, nearly 300 unique images. Each of these encounter decks is a different encounter. There's no repeats. So it's, we're spoiling <laughs> like yeah, yeah. the buyers and backers. Um, and I, I'm so delighted for that because. I'm not a fan of having to buy a game and buy six expansions to oh, complete yeah. that game. Yeah. We're putting it all in here. Everything is in there. All the Kickstarter, stretch goals and everything. So for 50 quid, you're getting a huge replayable game as we call for. And we want to do the same with, uh, with 1066. It's half the price because it's half the concept. It's £25. But you're getting like a really in-depth historical um, recreation of the Battle of Hastings. It gives you a chance to rewrite history and maybe, maybe half the Saxons win. <laughs> Okay, so uh, last of all, we talk a lot on our podcast about crowdfunding and Kickstarter and things like that. What have you learned from this campaign that you've been able to use to improve or carry over to your new latest campaign? Um, I think you've got to really manage your crowd and be as open to feedback and be as, as friendly as you possibly can and, and listen to, to feedback. It's, it's obviously 100% focused on the community and the community for Gloom and Killford have been the best bunch of people I could ever hope to speak to and, and to spend time with because they've been so supportive um, and like building that community is a huge part of the process they've helped me develop the game we've had legend backers name cards in the game um, so paying attention to their needs and being as transparent as possible throughout the process I think it's huge so um, for example I've tried to every single month at the same point send out an update to tell backers where, where we're up to because they've been hugely patient with me in particular with Gloomy Killforth it took 18 months to finish all the art which is a huge ask for anybody to wait that long for a game so we've tried to keep abreast of where we're up to at every step of the way and I think doing that has really helped them trust us because when we kickstarted 1066 so many of the Gloomy Killforth backers showed up again to show their support and trust and some of them haven't even received their copies of the game yet they know they're en route we're dispatching them now we wanted Gloomy Killforth to arrive a month earlier than it has but we're shipping them all out now there's people here backers have come up at the show to have a look at the game they're really excited about it and in building that community they've all come back again so you know pay attention to your backers really feedback to them um, listen to them and um, you know together you can create really wonderful things and, and that's what Kickstarter allows okay well we wish you the best of luck and uh, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to uh, talk to us thanks so much for your time it's been a pleasure so yeah that was the uh, interview with Tristan there and uh, thanks again for taking a few minutes out of your busy day to to chat with us um, it was a very busy uh, busy little stand he only had a small stand he, in fact he was right next to the great indoors um, but um, but yeah it, there were always, always people coming up and I think while we were there a couple of the Kickstarter backers turned up as well didn't they yes they did yeah I think he only had one trestle table yeah um, and yeah, and half of his half of his stand was filled with just boxes and boxes and boxes of of gloom of Killforth. 
We had a bit of a wonder after that. Um, I, I I actually went and picked up um, my copy of Super Hot, which uh, was something I backed on Kickstarter a while back. And the company that, that were doing that, which was um, Board and Dice, were um, letting backers pick up their copies from there. So those are the people who had Multi-Universum and Beer Empire and Pocket Mars, which seemed to be very, very popular. Yes. I think that was flying off the shelves, so to speak. Yes. Uh, well, I... Uh, yeah, Pocket Mars seemed really popular. At the same time, when we went to pick up your um, game, when we went to pick up Superhot, uh, they only had two copies of Multi-Universum left, and then the chap behind you in the queue bought one of them. Right, okay. So Multi-Universum, obviously exceedingly popular, and you got there first. I did, I got there last, it last year. year. I think, I think though, uh, the word has spread about how good that is for a small little game like that. Yeah, and it, and they're very reasonably priced. Um, all of the board and dice games seem to be quite well priced. Yeah, like ten, fifteen pound or, or something like that. So. Yeah, like Pocket Mars was a tenner. Um, the last few copies of Multi Universum they were doing for a tenner. I think you got it for a tenner last year, and it's it's a lot more. I think we, well, we've spoken about it before. It's a lot more deep than it looks from the size of the game. So after that, we went to see um, a group of companies all under a single umbrella. So it's a Spanish um, initiative, should we say. And that's HISPA. And it's basically a bunch of Spanish board game publishers all joined together to sort of like help themselves distribute their games and, and help with production and, and things like that. So. Were they the guys that did the the coffee game? Was that them? No. No, sorry. No. No. Okay, my bad. Seize the Bean, is that the one you're that's, thinking of? That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. No, we'll come on to that uh, a bit later. Okay, cool. So yeah, that was that was Hispa. And then directly after seeing them, we had to go and see Grubbling Games. Uh, now, we couldn't do a video interview with them like we wanted to because of the aforementioned micro SD snafu. But um, we did speak to the designer and he showed us Perfect Crime, which was the game that Pete had as one of his ones to watch in the last episode. And uh, I was very impressed with that. So impressed. I pre-ordered a copy. It's a one versus many game where one person plays the bank and everybody else is um, a gang of criminals trying to... trying to rob the bank. Yeah. So you get, uh, I think it's a week, so you have seven days which have a day phase and a night phase. The heist can only occur at a night phase, but once the heist starts you can't sort of call it off. So if you're the criminals, you you need to be prepared. Otherwise, the bank may have had time. The bank side of things is more like a tower defence, I suppose. Yeah. And then for the criminal side of things, you're trying to collect like different types of lock-picking devices because there's three different types of locks and trying to hack security cameras and all this sort of stuff. And then whoever... Well, if the if the crims make off with more money than the bank has left, they win. If the bank manages to keep more money than the others make off with, then the bank wins. So it's whoever has the most money left at the end. So after that, we uh, had a break for another show, and we went to see Nightmare Live, which I have uh, obviously seen before. 
Yes, it's my first it's time. Your first time, and but you weren't a, you aren't someone that familiar with the TV show. No, I never watched it. I never even heard of it until I met you. Yeah. So, being someone not familiar with the show, how did you find Nightmare Live? Um, I found it. It was quite fun. It was quite entertaining. It's one of those things where you think, I could totally do that better than those guys. <laughs> but at the same time, given the chance, would probably make the same mistakes. You mean like the guys on doing the quest on the stage? Yeah, because like uh, when the goblins attack with the big swords and so on, you can see, or I could see anyway, yeah. I assume other people do as well, um, they're following a certain pattern on the floor. So all you have to do is predict the pattern and then move your, I don't know, blind colleague. Dungeoneer the is the phrase you're looking for. Dungeoneer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you move your dungeoneer out of the way of that pattern. But the guys who were directing the Dungeoneer didn't seem to notice the patterns. Yeah, on the, on the, the TV show, the that is definitely doing. what would have happened. But I think yeah. uh, on the stage show, those first two people were, were meant to die because exactly the same thing happened when I went to see it last as well. It's designed, I think, it, it's part of the comedy to kill people off really quickly. Uh, okay. Because the first time they did it, well, the first time I went to see it, it was one person for the whole show. So they wouldn't really try to kill them. Because Nightmare is one of those things, as they said, as they say in the stage show, it's like you go into this dungeon and the way you the way you progress through the dungeon is by defeating the evil mechanisms of riddles and anagrams. You know, so that's that's the whole point of Nightmare when you you know, the, the original T V show. So in this particular iteration, they made it so Lord Fear, the bad guy, in case you didn't realise that's what his name was. Uh, was trying to make it more dangerous. So, so there's actually like a proper nemesis in this because in, in the TV show, the the, uh, the Thoracle from my from my youth <laughs> watching it after school, it was always just a bunch of guys versus the, the game itself, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was the first few evil. seasons, but then after like season three or four, Lord Fear came in and he was like the bad guy. But oh, you right. probably you'd probably stop watching by then because <laughs> you're a bit yeah. older than us. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad it wasn't a complete waste of money then. No, I thought it was fun. Okay, cool. And then we just uh, went back to the hall and had a little bit of wander around for the last uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, we came across the people making Awesome. That was uh, One Free Elephant, which was, again, one of my ones to watch from the last uh, episode, purely because of the punny name. And guess what I did? What did you do, Matt? I bought a copy. Yay! <laughs> and got a free little baby cart, didn't I? Yes, a purple one. Yeah. So this is the one where the, it's, there's tiles on the table which are like a mine with tracks on it and everyone's got a little mine cart and you like move around ramming other people's carts uh, which makes their little bits of um, ore that they've got in there drop out and you have to pick them up and basically, yeah. Um, and I think that was it for Saturday for us. Yep. Over to you, Gareth. <laughs> what, what did I see on Saturday? Um, I got a brief look at the the Godfather game. Did you guys see that? They were testing that out in the um, in one of the play areas. No, I didn't know that was a thing. I um, we walked past it. Did we? I can't remember where 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 I saw it now though. It, we did walk past it. It was, was in it? the I think the Ninja 
area in the bottom right as you, from from the entrance if you walk towards the bottom right corner there was a playtesting area there and we um we popped over there to see what was what was available and we couldn't we couldn't actually get on it which is a shame because my friend really wanted to give this a go um but it's 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 a game by Eric Lang the same guy who did Blood Rage um and it's it's a cool mini or not game um it's basically it's it's, it's a Godfather based sort of area control game by the looks of it. It did look quite interesting and the people that were playing it seemed to really enjoy it. Um, so that was one I'm going to keep an eye on because the ethos looked and the, the artwork and everything looked really nice. Um, just, it just looked like a decent game, you know? Yeah, I did walk, uh, we walked past it at one point. I think I may have um, filmed it at some point because um, I don't think I took a picture of it. Um, but it did look... I'm not really a, a Godfather fan, but it looked like a a, a fairly well put together game. Mm. So that, that was that's one that I was quite interested in. I'd like to go see some. I'd like to get my hands on a copy of that anyway because a it's Eric Lang and he's a good sort of um, his area control type games are always quite interesting. I mean, Blood Rage is, is a bit of a modern classic in that respect. So um, I finally got to sit and actually have a go at King of Tokyo, which I've never played. And I've often toyed with having a go on, and it was it was really really fun and. Um, my friend's got it and we've never actually played it. So it's good to sit and actually just have a go, really, um, with a bunch of people. I don't know if you guys have played that one. Can yeah, you we played it at um, Cakes and Ladders a, a little while back, didn't we? Yeah, the opening day. It's not it's not deep, but you're right, it's fun. Yeah, I just really, I liked it because I own, I mean, I do own quite a few heavy games and it's, um, I'm trying to look for some stuff which is a bit lighter and that's what I'm definitely going to pick up because I think it's it's quite easy to teach. Um, the mechanics are straightforward. There's quite a lot of strategy in there for them to get going in it. So no, I thought that was good. Um, spent a little while playing that. Um, we wandered over to the back of the hall and we found a game called Voodoo. Did you see that one? Yes, we did walk past it a couple of times. I don't think... I didn't get a chance to uh, stop and have a look, though. Um, we, we, we sat and played that one. Um, that was good fun. It reminded me a lot of a game which I've got, which is called um, In a Bind. I first encountered that one on a stag do a couple of years ago. It's basically Twister in a deck of cards. Um, it, you can basically take it down the pub and uh, on your third or fourth beer it becomes incredibly funny because you've got people playing sort of twister with their hands basically doing weird and silly things and voodoo it's a bit like that um, but you have to curse other people to make them do stupid things so you'll basically roll the dice and it will allow you to activate whatever curses you've got in your hand and the curses range from for example I had to play the entire game with my elbows joined together um, <laughs> which is hilarious when you try rolling dice when your elbows are stuck together um, my one friend had to um, scream and and sort of go whoop whoop every time he started his game and the idea is, is that if you if you get cursed and you don't fulfil the curse you you lose well you basically give the person victory points um, so the longer the game goes on the more people get cursed the more stupid things they have to do and the more likely you're going to get victory points it was really good fun I didn't pick a copy up I wish I had um, but I think I'm going to I will pick one up because it's again it's a nice simple party game um, it's got that nice level of meanness to it where you can basically pick on your friend a bit and go ha ha you, you know you. so that was quite cool I quite enjoyed that one um, I did a quick look at Subterra although I didn't get a chance to play it so if you guys got a chance to play Subterra that, that seemed to go down well at the expo um, um, we got a chance to play it at Meeple Mayhem because um, they had all of the things that were up for awards um, so we got a chance to play it then, not at the actual expo, though. Ah, uh, yeah, of course, of course, I remember that. Um, it seemed to be, it had quite a big stand at ITB, which I thought was quite good. Um, and lo- yes. lots of people seemed to be playing it and, jo- and seemed to be quite enjoying it, so that was good. Um, yes, because last year their, their stand was 
probably less than half the size of what it was this year. Mm. So it's it's interesting to see how they've expanded in just the course of a year. Mm. And of course, um, I think both their games won an award. I think yeah, Subterra and Statecraft both won awards on Sunday. That's cool. That's good. That's nice yeah. to know. I mean, I, I was I must admit I was a little bit miffed that I couldn't get my copy of Subterra at the show. I've got to have to wait till August to get it. Um, yeah, and people were able. Well, to, me too. Yeah, and people were able to buy it at the expo, which is it's just me having a bit of sour grapes. I've got to be honest, but um, I'm happy that it seems to have come together really well, and people seem to like it, which is good. And um, it was it is a nice looking box, so I got to sort of walk up and go, "Hey, I back this." And it's 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 not it's always nice when you see a project come together and people really enjoy it, and it's a good game, and it's it's not a waste. You know, you've actually got something back from it, and you've helped to see you know to to bring it to life as such. That was really nice. That was cool. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Um, what else did I see? Uh, oh yeah, I um, I picked up a game called Endure the Stars, which I've, I must admit I'd only sort of danced around on Kickstarter. I never actually backed it. Um, I have bought a copy. I bought it at home. Um, it, again, it's a, it's a very mini heavy base game. Um, what, what I liked about it was it was it's it's kind of like Dead Space um, in terms of basically Doom spaceship versus lots of horrible monsters that are stuck on your ship and trying to kill you. Um, I, quite, I just quite liked the. The, fit, the, the style of the game was really nice so I, I've, I've been sat here for the last couple of nights trying to uh, look at the rules and understand how it works but I'll um, that'd be something for me to play at some point in the future so that was good quite enjoyed that um, yeah. brought a copy home with Hay um, what else um, yeah I did something different on Saturday afternoon um, which was um, my, my friend Graham um, bit of a shout out to him he um, he's really into his RPGs um, he's, he's he's kind of my kind of person to go to if I'm not sure about RPGs, he knows lots and lots about them, and um, he booked us into a what I would call a, an expert-run Call of Cthulhu session um, on a Saturday afternoon. We sort of basically rocked up and we played with sort of a couple of random people we'd never met before, and we did like a three or four-hour sort of run-through of an RPG of, of, a, of a Call of Cthulhu RPG, and that was really good fun. I enjoyed that. I hadn't done, I haven't played Call of Cthulhu since I was 20, 20 years old. That was almost twenty years ago, um, and it's kind of reminded me how much I enjoyed it. And I don't, know if you, I don't know if you guys have ever played. I guess you probably, I'm guessing you probably haven't played it. Um, no. But these, the 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 basic principles are the same as in the normal sort of like Arkham Horror type games about sanity and health and everything else. But it fits really well as an RPG, and um, the systems are solid. I think it's on its seventh version of the game now, and um, it's that popular. It's been going for almost thirty years, and um, it, was, it was it was just nice. It was quite different, and it was I was happy to go and do it. It didn't cost very much money. Um, the guy who was running it has been doing it for quite a long time, so he was, you know, he didn't have to worry about the rules or anything like that. It just, he just basically took you through everything, just got you playing, which was nice. Um, it was quite a nice chilled end to the Saturday for us. We sort of finished the game, we were a bit tired, and we got in the car and we came home. Um, but it was quite different. I was just, I thought it was good. I just, yeah, I'd, I'd happily do an RPG session there because they do everything for you. Um, so you, you haven't got to do any characters or anything like that. They supply the dice, they supply everything for you. You just turn up and just play, which is cool. So if you if you think about doing an RPG next year, then maybe book onto one of those. It might be worth giving it a go. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting because obviously, yeah, as 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 I've mentioned, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Huh. <laughs> well, you're in good company. My friend Dave, who came with us, he hadn't played before, and he, um, and um, yeah, he, he he seemed to get into it. He seemed to really enjoy it. So um, I may try to get. I might try and get my friend Graham to run a Cthulhu for us privately as well. So that'd be quite nice. So. So that was cool, and um, yeah, more shopping. Bought loads of stuff. <laughs> I think most people did when they went to the expo. By the looks of it, so yeah. Well, I didn't buy very much at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I think I think I spent a record low on actual games, which was seven pounds. I, I did definitely exceed that, um, and um, yeah, I bought quite a lot of stuff. But I did last year as well. But I still I still I came in under budget, which I was quite happy with. So I had a budget and I stuck to it, and I didn't go over, which is quite nice. I picked up um, Pioneer's program because I Kickstarter back backed it. Um, so I got that, and I traded away one of my games that didn't sell to get auctions. Because um, I was a chap with this this game auctions, O R C auctions. I saw that. Um, I saw that. Yes, and they were doing this thing where you could trade a game for that brand new auctions game. Um, so I traded. Uh, one of my games plus about seven quid that I had in my pocket. He go, he's, well, he said, well, how about I'll take that game and you give me a tenner. I'm like, nah, I haven't got a tenner, which was mostly true. I said, oh, I've got a fiver and some shrapnel. And he goes, okay, what shrapnel have you got? And I was like, there, I've got that shrapnel. He goes, okay, I'll take that shrapnel and that fiver and your game and you can have this one. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> Not so so I, I, technically, I spent more on accessories because I bought a a um, foldy foldable dice tray from All Rolled Up and a polyhedral dice set, and that came to more than the five inch from shrapnel that I I handed over for auctions. Wow! Yeah, I I, I bought a lot of expansions this year um, I was trying to find a decent game for myself and at the end I was sort of wandering around the shops going which one am I going to buy for myself which is how I ended up buying Jewel of the Stars really because um, I, t- I wanted something I hadn't I hadn't seen a lot of I wanted to try something I could sort of take home and sort of stick my head in the book and learn it and play it properly so um, but other than that I bought lots of extra stuff like th- there, was some, there was some quite good stuff there though I thought and the prices were quite reasonable um I'm going to check out yeah. a big shout out to the guy in the Magic Madhouse uh, stand who had the be- most aggressive sales tactic I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> um, he basically walked up and went, uh, you're going to buy that because I'm going to sell it to you. And that was it. And to be fair, I did actually buy it, to be fair, uh, <laughs> because it was something I wanted. And I was, you could see I was hovering and he, 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 he moved in like a shark and fair play. I bought it. Um, but uh, it was quite funny. So. And that was kind of my Saturday, really. Um, I kept, then I went home and sort of crashed out. <laughs> Very tired. After two days of lots of walking, lots and lots of walking. We pretty much just wandered around for the rest of Saturday. Yeah, uh, just catching up, carrying on with our going up and down the aisles. Uh... I think I think we went and harassed Pete a couple of times. Yeah. Um, oh, no, that was it, because we were in Saturday and it, uh, right up until... Because we thought it was closing at half six, but it wasn't. It was closing at six. Yeah. Um, so we just went and as soon as the the slightly over overly loud lady came on the tannoy going, it's closing in ten minutes, we just sort of went and hung around and had a chat with Pete and then made our way out. I do feel like I should apologise to Pete because I didn't get a chance to go see him, which is really bad. Um, so, sorry, Pete. I, did, I, I, I tried. I really tried. I'm sure he won't mind. Hopefully not. I think they, I think they, they had a fairly good uh, day. They had quite a lot of interest and they managed to shift quite a lot of flyers from what I saw. So, yeah, we, uh, that was our Saturday and then we had one more day, which was the shortest yes. day. Yes, which ended up disappearing very quickly. We spent the first couple of hours just mopping a few things up that we needed to do. 
um, video wise and, and things like that. And then we just, uh, yeah, we just wandered around. Uh, I've got a few more flowers in front of me telling us, reminding us what we saw. Um, you were quite taken by this game called um, Beasts of Balance, weren't you? Well, it was it was a very fun game to play. Um, even though there was a woman behind me constantly going, oh my God, your eagle's about to die. And I'm like, I'm dealing with it. Well, uh, actually, that Grr. clip of you playing is on the video that I put on YouTube earlier today. So if someone views our trade haul video, when you get to the end, you'll see Ray playing the game. And uh, yeah, you'll see what she means. There's nothing more annoying than a backseat gamer, I find. I mean, I think she was doing it because it, it's a kind of... it. It's it's not something that you see. So you've got this sort of plinth, which is somehow it transmits to an app. So it's it's like a balancing dexterity game, but there's an app that goes with it. And you have to scan your pieces that you're about to put on the tower in. And if you scan them at the right time, then it boosts up certain animals that are on your world. And But some of them depreciate in points because they're jealous of the better animals so you've got to try and make all the animals get to 20 points um, and then they won't lose health but at the same time you're trying to build a tower out of really really odd shaped bits of plastic Um, and it was very it was very fun I don't know if I would buy it in my current situation it's definitely something that you should probably get if you have kids because it's lots of fun and there's the nice sort of bright shiny graphics on the on the app and then the pieces are all nice and brightly colored and it's sort of the dexterity but you're also trying to interact with your world that you're building and trying to get the best score and i mean he said i got a fairly good score for a first yeah first go what is it i got like 95 i think but then he said, oh, yeah, the highest I've seen is a 1,000 and something. I'm like, okay. Wow. So I did, go- I did good, but not, not amazing. He, he did say he, they've got no idea how someone managed to get that score, though. Cheating. Cheating. <laughs> Maybe. But, but, yeah, Beast of Balance was good fun. Uh, we had a bit more of a wonder. We came across the guys who made Guards Against Insanity, the uh, pretty dark um, cards, uh, cards Against Humanity expansion which we've talked about before and read a couple of the cards out of and uh, they were showing their new game which was Confessions which they described as a bit like Would I Lie to You the TV quiz show oh yeah yep Um, so we had a look at that and um, yeah we'll be reviewing that at some point and uh, letting people know what we think about that Uh, we chatted to the guys at uh, Aircon or the guy rather yeah because we wanted to talk about going to that next year uh, which is the uh, gaming event that happens up in Harrogate every year yep That's in March 9th, 9th to 11th of March next year that is uh, at Harrogate Convention Centre so we'll have to uh, look into that and see because that looks like it might be worth going to yep um, we had a quick breeze by uh, Everdark we did on our way to the dark room. You awake to find yourself in a dark room. Go north. Check pockets. 
This this will all be going over Gareth's head if he's never seen The Dark Knight. Yeah. And anyone who's never seen it. Thankfully, Matt gave me a, 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 a bit of an introduction to it last week at work, and um, so I kind of I kind of get the idea of it. And um, one of the guys that I met up with on the Saturday afternoon was going to go watch it, and he we, we had a bit of a chat about it. So I've got a good idea how it works. It does sound like pretty awesome. Um, it sounds almost impossible to get him to pay the money up. To be fair, but at the same point, that's not the point. The point of it is to go and have fun with it. And then after that, we uh, had about an hour to kill before the uh, the awards were announced. So um, we went to Backspindle Games, yeah, which to see one of the games you were interested in, which was Dance of the Fireflies. Yep, I did want to have a look at Morn Quest as well, but sadly that was that that table was busy. Um, although I did notice they've got another game which is called Clax, which is based on the Terry Pratchett novel of Going Postal. Which um, the chap at the stall said, even if you're not really a Pratchett fan, it's a very good sort of puzzler. Yeah. We also went past the uh, Modifius. Modifius? Modifius? I don't know how you pronounce it. The Modifius mm. stand, uh, where they were showing off their Fallout Wasteland Warfare game and their Star Trek Adventures game. And there was a guy handing out leaflets, and you got one leaflet with both games, one on each side. And he gave me one with the Fallout one face up, and Ray the one with the Star Trek one face up. And we were like, "No, mate, you got these the wrong way round. You should have given me the Star Trek one and Ray the Fallout one." Yep. And he said, "Oh, I've been doing it all day, and I've been getting it right." But has he though? Has he? Or did he just say that? Or maybe everybody else is just too polite to say he got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Quite, quite possibly. Yeah. But we we did get to have a look at some of the the minis. Yeah, they um, had them in a giant pit for... boy, didn't they? Was well, it, it was boy? like no, it was like um, just like a giant vault one 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 crate. Oh, like the type of things that you loot, yeah. Yeah, and they had uh, oh, they had one of the having not played Fallout in absolutely ages, I can't remember them. You know, like the the flying round robots that. Or occasionally blasting the radio out at you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. They had one of them, and they had, um... Oh. One of the really horrible monsters. Super Mutant? Deathclaw? It might have been a Deathclaw, because it definitely wasn't a Super Mutant. And then some other smaller thing. Um, But they looked quite good. They only had three of the minis in this this little chest, and that's pretty much all they had of the game, because obviously it's only just sort of going into well they're still developing it I suppose yeah I'm actually quite annoyed that I managed to miss that one completely because I'm, I'm quite intrigued by that you know um, obviously being a huge fan of the Fallout universe they, it's not just going to be a skirmish game though is it either apparently it's going to have actually going to be because um, I must admit I'm a little bit put off by skirmish games mainly because it's you have to you have to play. You have to be able to build an army with somebody else to play, and it's quite a lot of investments. So like the Marvel minis game and the Batman minis game, they're they're quite. I think for me, they're, they're I'm put off by them because the the, um, you know, the cost is quite extortionate if you want to get a really good team going. Um, but this one apparently, I've, I've read somewhere it's going to be more of a tabletop game, which which I'm definitely interested in. But obviously, because that it's Fallout and it's got minis and it's going to be that sort of game, but. Um, I'm quite gutted I missed that actually that like, was there damn well, it well you, you didn't miss a lot because the, literally those three or four minis were all they were showing uh, okay. that's all they had there okay and I think they were only showing them if you managed to catch the right person's eye because um, they were hidden way behind the 
sort of desk area. Ah, right, um, okay, okay. And they, they they were admittedly held together with blue tack as well. All right, so they really are early prototypes then. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We then, uh, on the way, uh, the last couple of ones we saw, we walked past a couple of times the Seize the Bean table, but uh, they had quite a little crowd and a couple of playtests going, so we didn't really get a chance to look at that, but that's the card game all about coffee. Um, yes. Th- we got to look at that one on the, on, on, I think it was on the Saturday, no, it was Friday actually, I completely forgot to mention that earlier. Um, you did mention it briefly, but I, I, I cut you down and said we'd come back to it. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we sat and we talked to the, one of the game designers on the Friday about it. Um, I think unfortunately we were so tired at that point that it was just the wrong time to sit there and talk about a game in that, in that level. But, um, I got the gist of it. It does seem like a decent, quite, quite decent kind of game. Um, my friends were interested in it because they're both massive coffee fans. So we, we had to go look at it purely because of that. Um, but no, I must admit, the, the, the concept was quite a good one. I like, I liked the, there's kind of a, like a, there's also like a risk rewards style mechanic in there in terms of um, you can try and go sort of cheap and, and mass produce like Starbucks or you can try and be the most amazing coffee ever and you'll manage your resources and your staff and all that sort of stuff. I quite liked it. It was quite cool and very different to what, I've, what I'm normally into. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely one to watch. I can see where they're going with it in terms of what he's trying to do. It, it, it did seem to work. You, t- you couldn't sit and play it, which is a bit of a shame. Um, we had it all set up. We just sort of talked talk us through it, sort of step by step, and how how each phase works and everything else like that. But well, yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, um, I got to sort of wander past it a couple of times on Sunday. Um, obviously, didn't get to sit down, but I got to see the um, the little components, which are the little coffee beans and little sugar cubes. And I was like, "Yes, they are. They are as good as they looked on the picture in the in the press email." Mm. So I was, uh, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of an, an yeah, I was a bit mm, that I didn't get to see it, but it was sort of lasting on Sunday, and it, I think there was only one person on it at one point when I walked past, and they were teaching it to about three different people. So I was just sort of hovering, and then sort of had to had to shoot off to go and do something else. But uh, it did look really good from what I saw over people's shoulders. It was just a prototype, though. Um, so hopefully hopefully that will be in the works soon. And then the last thing we looked at was a small little game that I think appealed mainly because it used um, bottle caps as its uh, main component. Maybe we were still on a bit of a fallout um, thing. But uh, that was uh, just a little game called Pirate which uh, is just a basic game where you've got a bag full of bottle caps of different types and you've got this like little I don't know how to describe it a little like holder with like lots of holes on that and just the right size to put bottle caps on top of yeah see what it reminds me of is you know if you buy like six cans of something and and that plastic stuff oh yeah yeah holds them all together a smaller version of that it kind of reminded me of that but really scaled down and like Robust. Robust, not flimsy, yeah. Yeah. And that that was basically just a a game which I think he said he invented for his grandparents, uh, grandparents, his grandchildren to play, which was uh, basically, yeah, they reach in, grab a, a bottle cap and put it down and you have to put it put it down so it doesn't match uh, any row or column. You can't have two the same. And there's extra rules on top of that, but that's the basic, the gist of the game, effectively. It's just a simple, simple game like that. 
And of course, if you enjoy your beers, you can add to your bottle cap collection of the game, providing you can extract the bottle cap without bending it too much. And then it was over to the main stage for the awards. Best family game, Sushi Go Party. Not played it. I've played Sushi Go. It's um, really good fun. I've played Sushi Go, but I've not played the new one. No, I'm not playing the party one, but um, Sushi Go is great fun, so I, I imagine that's also decent. Uh, best abstract game was Omino's, which you bought last year, right? Yeah, first edition signed. Ooh, signed nice. by the creator. Uh, best Are you card- worth something? Yeah, sorry. Please continue. Best card game was Statecraft. Which was ITB. Uh-huh. Uh, best children's game was Bobab. Or Tumble Tree. Depending on, yeah. Depending on whether it's in America. Uh, which we talked about last time, so we have to like make a tree on and by putting all these cards down. Uh, best party game was Chameleon from Big Potato. Not I don't heard. actually know what the objective of Chameleon is. No, I've not heard of that one. Um, you have to guess the code word oh, that's if, right. if you're the Chameleon. Oh, and say. everybody else has to say a related word to prove that they are not the Chameleon. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. It's spy folly, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. And that one person doesn't know. Anyway, so uh, best American style game was Dark Souls. Yay, Dark Souls! Woo. Not a surprise. I don't think that that one. I, I'm very very happy to be a prime backer of that one. Um, I'm not been let down by it, but personally, it's a really good game. So I'm happy to see it win some awards for that one because I think they've, re- they've done a good job on that one. To be honest, so I think I think I think I really like it. My friends have really liked it as well so far. So cool. Uh, best strategic game was The Colonists from Mayfair Games. Uh, Hawk War Games won a bunch of stuff for best miniatures and best expansion and best accessories. Um, best role playing supplement was Sirenscape. Best Euro style game was Subterra. Now, this is strange. Twitter thinks that that tweet is in Estonian. Interesting. Because it says underneath it, you want to translate this from Estonian? Let's see what it thinks it says. Could not translate. Well, that's great. Translation by Bing. Well, there you go. That tells you everything. Um, best RPG was Cubicle 7. And there's just one more thing to mention before I forget. Uh, we ran into the critical twits on Friday as well. Or two of the critical twits, anyway. Uh, we ran into Brian and Aaron while we were running around on on Friday before the awards. Um, nice to see you guys. Um people should check out their podcast just search for the critical twits so yeah it was good to see you guys and uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you again in the future and that I think is our expo more or less summed up in well how long have we been recording we've been recording for 2 hours 34 minutes when you listen to this it'll probably be a bit less than that because of editing ah but then we've got we've got interviews as well but uh, if you have made it this far, thanks for uh, sticking with us through this episode. We really appreciate it. And again, welcome to all, all our new listeners if you uh, came across us uh, during the expo. And uh, yeah, um, I think this was the best expo we've been to in the three years. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say so. And I'm assuming, Gareth, you think it's a big step up from last year? I, th- I think so, yeah. I, I definitely think so. I, um, I, I, For me, I definitely knew what I was getting to a lot more. And um, I certainly enjoyed this one. I just enjoyed this one a lot more. It was just, it, it was great. It was really, really great. 
Um, I think your first one, you're always just floundering around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like deer in headlights going, where do I go, what do I do, what do I do? And this year, because I had more time, it was good to just sit and just um, enjoy it at times a bit more. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. I, just, I really can't wait for next year. I'm interested to see how it's going to go for next year as well. So, yeah, thanks everyone for sticking with us. If you uh, made it this far through the episode, we really appreciate it. And uh, hello and thank you to our new listeners. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon for our next episode, which will be us talking about all the prototypes and things that we got to experience uh, at the expo. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me as well. So, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.